Hey, this is Gordo, and I just have a couple of small little messages for you before we start this show on DB Cooper. I'd really like you to hang around, and uh, I'll give you the skinny on everything that's happening. So first of all, apologies for not having a regular release schedule. I'm really sorry. I've been researching like a mad bastard for all of these upcoming episodes. The folks on Patreon have got a list of all these episodes, and for the last two months I've been recording the bollocks out of a lot of true crime episodes and, and, and bigger shows. I've been filming them as well. Uh, live in the studio, Joe Rogan style, and now, going into the future, in the next two and a half months or so, before we leave for America, I'm going to be recording, I think, like 26 more, so uh, it's been a crazy time, but from this one on, uh, I'm going to dump a load of shows on you, I have this one, I have another one on Benjamin Bathurst, I have one on um, Son of Sam coming, and then uh, the big Flat Earth episode Uh, should be with you before the 20th of August. So hold on to your hats, some shit is coming. So stick around for a minute or two, I just want to let you know some really important stuff coming up, and uh, then we get into D.B. Cooper. So TCG, i.e. me, uh, has a live show in the Sugar Club on the 9th of October as part of the Dublin Podcast Festival. So if you're an Irish podcast listener, you're a fan of the show, you want to come along, slap hands, listen to me chat about uh, conspiracy theories, QAnon, uh, the stuff's going on the FBI, and then some of the stuff for uh, the older episodes, and talk about some some cultural Marxism, some identity politics. And we have a row, have a chat, come and join the audience, and uh, you know, let's fucking converse about some shit. I want I want to meet the audience. I want to slap hands with you before we uh, before we head off to America, and you know, get a conversation going live in a room. The tickets are going to be available in the description below. So if you want to head to uh, Ticketmaster to get those tickets, it's part of the Dublin Podcast Festival. There's loads of other shows going on as well. Uh, But this one's going to be in the Sugar Club on the 9th of October. It's a Tuesday night. Get a fucking babysitter and I'll see you there. Um, Another thing, I'm blessed to GoFundMe for the TCG TV products. So that's uh, GoFundMe.com slash TCG TV. It's now over 25,000 euros. I am ecstatic. This shit is happening. But what I'm, what I'm putting out to you now is a call to arms. If you are planning on donating, if you think, yeah, yeah, I, I'll definitely go and do that. This sounds like begging and it is tantamount to it. I really want this thing to work. If you've been listening to the show, there is hundreds and hundreds of thousands of you listening to this right now. I can see the numbers. Please, please, if you have any inclination of lobbing a fiver, head over to gofundme.com slash tcgtv. There's a link in the description. You can find it on the website. It's fucking everywhere, all over the social media. Get in and, and, and give in your fiver. We're a third of the way there. Claire's taking the year off school as a teacher. I'm at, we're giving up the house here at the end of October. Like, we're going no matter what. The shit is on. Like Donkey Kong. In a thong. Smoking a bong like Cheech and Chong. And, you know, we're leaving start of November. No matter what. It's just, it'll be an awful lot shorter of a trip if this GoFundMe doesn't fill up to the end. So, uh, if you have any inclination to donate, do it now. So that we know there's a nice buffer of money and we can, we can get out there and we can do that shit. Otherwise, we'd be banging around in some wood panel station wagon or some shit with Rusty and, and Ellen in the back fighting. And, uh, you know, the dog in a cage facing the wrong way. But, you know, going to four places and then having to come home before Christmas. Like, nobody fucking wants that. So head over to GoFundMe.com slash TCGTV. Big plans. Shit's going on. The Patreon subscribers as well. I, I just want to say, lads, you're, you're keeping me alive. I fucking love you. This is a full-time job, and, you know, <laughs> I couldn't do it without Patreon. And, and Patreon are getting their dues. They're getting what they're owed over there. I'm, I'm, I'm lashing out stuff like 
seven, eight, nine, ten posts a week. So if you want to get a load of extra stuff uh, coming up for season seven over the next two months, it is the perfect time to become a Patreon. You're going to get access to all of the Discord channels. So there's going to be loads of uh, information about TCG TV coming up, loads of stuff about the episodes, loads of uh, live streams. There's going to be live chat about current events. We're going to get into appear.in and uh, have these live chats you can jump in and we talk about what's going on in the news alex jones getting bumped fucking loads of shit happening uh, you'll also get access to the exclusive tcg tv instagram feed you get early access to behind the scenes vlogs and recording day vlogs and all the outtakes from the show and i have fuck 10 15 hours of shows from like 2015 16 and 17 that i had to just lamp out hours of it for for time uh, you know, there's <laughs> two, three hours of me and Paul and Eamon just talking about the Thundercats and going mental. So if you want to get access to all of that stuff, patreon.com slash Conspiracy guys. And most importantly now, and this is important because it only counts for the next like two and a half months or so. From the $5 tier and up, it's very important, from the $5 tier and up, you will get access to all the episodes streamed. I have cameras here in the studio now, so when the lads come in to, to, to record, we're recording true crime episodes, we're recording and the bigger, longer, five, six, seven hour episodes. All of those are gonna be recorded a la Joe Rogan style, try me best anyway. Wide angle lens, you know, everyone's here in the studio live and you can watch that streaming when we're recording. Some of the stuff we're recording in October, you might not get to hear it a second time until next May or June. So everything we're doing over the next like two and a half months is going to ensure that you have episodes of those conspiracy guys while we're on the road. I'm getting all these questions and emails like, "Will the, is the podcast still going when you're on the road and blah, 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 and all this stuff. Like when we're on the road, I want to fully concentrate on the docs. I want to fully concentrate on like, you know, if we have some live appearances, some live shows, meeting up with fans, doing all this stuff, part of TCG TV, like the recording schedule in August, September and October is mental. But it's going to be so worth it then when we're on the road to have these shows going so we can concentrate on all that other stuff, getting, you know, interviews and making vlogs while we're on the road. So what we're doing with TCG TV, it's 12 documentaries. There's going to be a daily vlog. like So that's like nearly 220, 10, 15 minute vlogs from, from wherever we're going in America, including all the people that have paid into the GoFundMe and whatever tiers they're on. Like, this is a massive thing. And I know you're listening to it and you're probably going fast forward through this shit going, yeah, 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 where's the show? Like, I'm, I'm putting my heart and soul out on this thing. And, you know, my livelihood, my, my neck, my, my like financial existence. Like, I've put, I've put tens of thousands of euros already into this thing. Please, get it done. <laughs> Please get it done for me. Go to gofundme.com slash TCGTV. It'll only take a fiver. It's like buying me a beer. Do it. And this thing will become a reality with no stress. And everyone's going to be super happy. Um, you guys are going to get access if you're donating on GoFundMe or Patreon to all of those US vlogs. So I'm going to be putting them up from wherever you are. Like if we're going to fucking go to Graceland, I'm going to make a short film. If we're going to go to Area 51, you're going to get a thing from that. We're going to where JFK was shot. None of those things are going to be part of the main 12 docs, but I'm still going to hit that shit up. If you're a fan from the area, come down and meet me. We'll fucking do that shit together. Have the crack. you be in the vlog. If you're on that GoFundMe tier, like I'm doing it. So please get that shit done. If you can get half a million dollars for fucking Peter Strzok, who put up a GoFundMe after getting fired from the FBI, and they got a half million dollars in four days, I have like hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of downloads a month from you guys listening in the US, the UK, Ireland, uh, you know, Canada, Australia, and then fucking Montenegro, Trinidad and Tobago. There's some cunt in the Vatican sitting on his own listening. Like I get these stats. I, I know who's out there. 
if you can do it for me please make it happen there'll be loads of posts on social media maybe you're missing that stuff because of a tiny compared to how many people are listening to uh, this rss feed i have a tiny amount on like twitter ten thousand on facebook eight thousand on twitter and instagram each so like I'm, I'm trying to reach out to you now this is the thing like this is it sounds you know people are going like oh don't be fucking begging it's not begging it's a business i'm saying pay into the business have faith in what i'm doing you've had faith at listen to 500 hours of my show already please make it happen if you want to go onto the social media facebook twitter and and uh, you know google plus instagram reddit all those things what i'm doing over the next while is i'm putting up uh, the state suggestions so i'm going trying to go to get to every state people are asking me you're going to be in michigan you're going to be in north carolina i'm going everywhere like johnny cashman going everywhere but if you want me to go to a certain place you have to suggest that thing every state is going to get a post on social media over the next couple of weeks i've already done about seven or eight or nine of them if you see that post get onto twitter get onto facebook get to that post and leave your suggestion dm me send an email info at those conspiracy guys let me know the crack if you're part of the gofundme and you have your tier we'll meet up if you're part of the patreon and you have your tier we'll meet up some shit will be done. I want to go there. I want to meet people and slap hands. Like, this is... I'm coming out. This shit is happening. And it might be a one-time money kind of thing for a good while. Um, so that's it. We're going to let you get on to DB Cooper. I'm not going to have this on the show forever and ever, this little pre-roll intro. It has been about seven or nine minutes. I'm really happy and glad and, gra- and grateful and thankful that you've listened to this whole thing. My heart is swelling with this thing. My stress levels are high. I want to get it done. I'm i'm super productive i'm super positive like shit's happening please help me do it gofundme.com slash tcgtv patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys that's it for the shilling thanks so much for listening and here's your show Welcome to another Dose Conspiracy Guys. This time we're talking about the only unsolved aeroplane hijacking in history. Imagine. This one is a much requested and uh, like very popular conspiracy theory. Uh, like a, a, a mystery for the ages. And I think it shall remain unsolved uh, as much as like JFK's murder or what happened to, to, to Marilyn Monroe. Uh, this one is all about D.B. Cooper. Check it out, D.B. Cooper. He stole a bunch of money, jumped out of a plane, never to be seen again. And we are streaming live on YouTube uh, right now for all the lovely folks on Patreon. So if you want to watch any of these shows uh, that I'm recording now over the summer before the, the America trip, get on to youtube.com slash guys, uh, and you can see some of the older videos. But if you want to watch them live, you have to be a Patreon. That's patreon.com slash guys. Throw like $2, $5. It keeps the show going. This is my full-time job because of you guys. And uh, you get loads of exclusive videos. You get loads of uh, extra material, outtakes from the shows. And you get to watch them live as they're being recorded. This time, this is a true crime episode. So it's going to be about 90 minutes, two hours. Not too long. And uh, we're going to be talking about D.B. Cooper. If anything in the show needs correction, and I guarantee you there will be, because there's so much shit about this online, uh, info at thoseconspiracyguys.com. And uh, we're on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. There's an IGTV there now. We have a YouTube channel. Also, BitChute, B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E dot com slash thoseconspiracyguys is another uh, 
I guess you call it decentralized uh, video service as an ant- uh, an alternative to YouTube. And on there, I have all the documentaries and all the stuff we usually mention uh, in all of our shows because YouTube is uh, twee, uh, fucking kicking lads off it for putting stuff up that they don't like. So uh, yeah, go check out the BitChute channel. And then uh, if you want to get any of the merch or any of the stuff belonging to the show, you can head over to tpublic.com uh, slash those conspiracy guys where we have all of the, the episode designs and a little few things that I designed myself thrown up there as well as curated designs from designers on that website. Uh, so that's T Public, and uh, if you want to hit the hit the main website, thoseconspiracyguys.com, all of that information will be there, and you can grab a look at that. Thanks to the people for joining us uh, on Patreon, watching right now, and uh, like I said, if you want to watch in the future, patreon.com slash thoseconspiracyguys. Joining me in the studio to chat about D.B. Cooper is the one and only uh, uh, Chris Kent. How are you, Chris? Good. How are you, Gordo? Brilliant, man. It's great to have you here. Old-time comedy buddy yes. from back in the days. You are flying now. I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah, Delighted yeah. You, Starting to... Finally, kick end of gear, I suppose. You're over in London? Yes. Smashing yeah. it? Yeah, trying to. Yeah. Trying to. And yeah. uh, they're, they're getting over the Cork accent and all They're that. getting over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every now and again, I run into a bit of a wall, but I like yeah. that because it lets, keeps me in check that I'm still keeping the accent. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> One of my biggest fears is losing it. Using um, sidewalk oh, and pavement. N- yeah, well, that's American. Yeah, that's, no, I, but, mate. Yeah. Mate. You I've, weren't. I've had to cut that out of my vocabulary. <laughs> Because it's a very slippery path. What do we have for dinner? Like Dublin's dubs can get away with saying mate. Yeah. Because they say may. But if I say, I'll start saying mate, mate. And it's a bit English. It's a bit mate. All right, mate. So I've had to actively try and not say mate. And. uh, Buddy, pal, But Yeah, yeah. It's all like bye. Bye. You can't say that then, of course, as well. And uh, the comedy clubs are bigger, better, more productive, Uh, shinier. They're bigger. I mean, there's just more of them as well, like, you know. So there's a bigger scene. There's way more competition. There is, and with that, there's way more comedy clubs. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Ireland is quite small for, uh, mm. uh, small but effective. Very good scene community. here, but yeah. smaller, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, less people, I guess. Yeah. And uh, you're you're performing all over the summer, and uh, you're also in Edinburgh for the entire month. Yes. Smashney. Yes. My sixth, it'll be my sixth run. That's yeah. um, like a pretty prolific Edinburgh run. Like yeah, not a lot I think of people so. do that year yeah, after yeah. year. I'm a glutton for the punishment. I love it. Do you think it's punishment? Is it a is uh, it a big first, undertaking? The first one is because it's such a big shock to the system, and I got very ill for the first one. But the yeah. second one, it gets a bit easier. But this time of the year, it's it's hard when you're trying to write a new show, I guess. But but it's the part of the comedy thing. I think before we get into DB Cooper, like it's part of that comedy thing where, like, a good working comedian will take a year's worth of material and then hone it like fine tune it and put it yeah. into a fine steak and then just stab comedy people like here's yeah. the fucking jokes and then when you're, you do your Edinburgh show for a yeah. month you make it perfect you tour it a little bit in September and October absolutely and then it's abandonment over Christmas and yeah. you start again yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. not a lot of yeah. people are doing that no properly but you don't have to abandon it totally either no, the material's I mean, always like, there but you yeah. do have to move on and it is the most uncomfortable thing you're ever going to yeah. do because you've bought it through Edinburgh and it's in pretty good shape and then you're measuring your next show which is zero against what is but you keep forgetting that okay this was zero this time last year yeah so just get down to it it's like uh, it's like having a second child right oh yes probably yeah, you like, imagine so the first one was yeah you're really special and the second one you're yeah. like nah the first one's not that special no you, you've had you've had a, you've had <laughs> I a, have child. a child yeah yeah it's <laughs> not, not living, it is it is special but it's not this fairy tale princess cuddling all the time picture yeah. that we get sold it's very much screaming very hard uh, and we had a very good baby he was really good but it's still very hard even when they're being good your brain is internally active because it's so aware 
that you have this massive responsibility. Yeah, they have, so they have pictures of them in That's the hospital. If, if you yeah. lose them or something, they'll come yeah, after you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to do to write an Edinburgh show every year, um, but you are in. Edinburgh for the whole month of August Absolutely. at the Assembly Room Studio 4 yes. at 6.50pm for an hour. Hour every day, yeah. 7, yeah. To, 7 to 8 or whatever. So yeah. 6.50. 10 to 7 to, yeah, yeah. So if you're going to Edinburgh and you're a fan of comedy, uh, Chris is the man to go see. Uh, all the details for those and, and you can buy tickets, I guess, chriskentcomedy.com. Chriskentcomedy.com or on the Assembly website or wherever you go to. Savage. So if you're listening to this on the podcast uh, app uh, in the description below, I'll put all of the links for all that stuff and uh, you can click on it and go straight to it. So this time we're talking about D.B. Cooper, Chris, and it's your first time on the show, so what I like to do uh, usually on these true crime shows is kind of find out where you heard of this thing before, because as we go into the details, we find it becomes so ridiculously convoluted, there's so much new evidence, it's one of these things where it's like, because there's no actual real facts, people just make shit up, and then that becomes canon, Yes, and then you know, people are deciding later on, like, dispelling this and dispelling that. Do you know the way Christians go on about dinosaurs? Like, do dinosaurs really exist? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they fucking yeah. do. There's yeah. bones everywhere. There's ah, old. but maybe God was burying them as a trick. You're like, yeah. fuck off, bro. <laughs> this is how this kind of case has, has developed over time. Mm. So, like, b- before looking it up for this episode, did you have any notion about this, lad? I did. I mean, you, uh, uh, but I never paid heed to it. Like, you know, yeah. so I would have half digested facts. If you'd asked me who D.B. D, uh, D. Cooper was, I might I might have got there, but I've also might have given you a completely different story yeah. that's yeah. lining up with, like, oh, wasn't he? Um, yeah, the, the, the picture with the, the sketch with the sunglasses yeah. was the thing that stuck with me. It looks me. pretty, yeah, yeah. I've seen that, like, all through my whole I've life. I've definitely seen that, yeah. I never put any heed to it because I'm like oh yeah something something yeah. like we've all heard of Lockerbie and we've all heard of yeah. you know Pan Am yes. and, and these planes like as we were growing up we were in our mid 30s right yes and yeah. we were growing up in the 80s hearing about all of these plane mm-hmm. jackets that were happening only mere years before yeah and then nine eleven happened and we're all like oh yeah I kind of half expected that yes yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was the natural evolution of people robbing them planes it I was think like, so yeah do you know and I saw this picture and I was like, that lad is a bit spooky. It's spooky, isn't it? When you the find goggles. Out, when, yeah. you re- when you research this stuff then, did any of it kind of click back into place for you? Uh, not really, no. No. Just the it's whole... It's a real mystery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, D.B. Cooper, uh, for those that don't know, is uh, one of the only unsolved plane hijackings uh, in, in US history. Most of them have been, you know, lamped, yeah. caught, identified while on the plane or, uh, you know, some forensic evidence has led the FBI to capture the people in whatever country they were in. Yeah. Getting them deported from places like uh, Karachi and India, Indonesia. Yeah. uh, You know. It must be, you've got to be really careful deporting those people because they've already hijacked one plane, you know. You don't want them hijacking the plane that they're... Yeah, putting Dave Chappelle in shackles and (laughs) Steve Buscemi is there going like, "Uh, I don't know, maybe, let's take over the plane. Yeah. You'll have one good lad there. Yeah, Con Air. What a, what Con a movie. Air, what a movie. What a fucking movie. Um, what, was the, what was your man's name? Cyrus the Virus. Uh, was it Cyrus the Virus? Who John, was he again? John Malkovich. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did Nicolas Cage play him or was that someone else? No, Nicolas Cage was, um, he was the army guy that yeah, punched the lad yeah. to death. Oh, yeah. He was the, he got shot walking up the plane and didn't flinch. <laughs> yeah. Nicolas Cage is hired, man. Put the bunny back in the box. Was you that can't that shoot me. Huh? Was that that one? Put the bunny back in the box or... Po- yeah, the toy was that bunny. The one? Yeah, 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 he had a little toy bunny for his. And your man was raping your one, and he had all the hearts on these oh things. God, I'm yeah. gonna make you number thirty-one or whatever. Oh God. 
Yeah, it's a, a cracker. Cracker of a movie. Cracker. So, on the 24th of November, 1971, D.B. Cooper took steps to hijack a plane. Mm-hmm. He took $200,000 as ransom, and he jumped out, parachuted out of the back of the plane, never to be seen or heard from again. The Incredible. FBI committed to finding him, like... Nobody's business. They were they were left with egg on their face, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, they followed loads of unsuccessful leads, and eventually, this year and at the end of last year and at the start of this year, some new information has come to light, and they say the case may be solved. Probably not, but maybe quite possibly. Uh, a plain uh, DB Cooper was a plain, nondescript man in a black suit with a white shirt and a a, a black uh, skinny tie. He, he buys a one-way ticket to uh, to Seattle on a Northwestern Airlines Flight 305. Mm-hmm. And it's only a half-hour flight, but that led to this still officially, you know, famously unsolved mystery. So the man known as Dan Cooper, he signed for his ticket at the, at the desk and he mm-hmm. paid $20 to get on the plane. He sat in his seat at the back of the plane. He was wearing, like, uh, aviator-style mirror sunglasses and he carried this fancy attaché case. Right. I still don't know what an attaché... I don't know what an attaché case is. Is it, like... Um, one of those briefcases that has like an accordion's arse. Oh right, Is it yeah, something yeah. Like, that? like an expandable type of. Yeah, like a little, like a doctor's handbag. Oh yes, I know. Though. I like like a giant purse kind of thing. Like a man purse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. like a fancy thing that you could have, like yeah. drugs or medical stuff for. He sounds like the kind of guy you. that was very confident. Anyway, it didn't matter what kind of bag he was carrying around. Yeah, it could have been a backpack. But I yeah. think there's a there's a whole thing about him, like uh, from looking online and reports and stuff, that he was like a well-to-do man. Mm. He, he was well spoken and he, he yeah. dropped into the to the airport and he was like I'll have a ticket to Seattle please you yes, know like yeah. maybe some Fraser Crane shit right, or something right yeah, yeah. Uh, very well mannered very polite mm-hmm. and he was dressed in loafers and like a Reservoir Dogs yeah. style not dressing the way you would if you were intending on probably jumping out of a plane yeah unless you know you're it's a fortnight skin <laughs> yeah. or something or some yeah. kind of weird she got some kind of batman suit on yeah. under the suit like a, G, like a gta 5 yeah add-on you know it just seems unbelievable it does yeah that he would do that uh, he had a clip-on tie with a little tie pin on it and uh, his name was dan cooper and he sat on the plane and he ordered a bourbon and soda mm. which people again say he had an attaché case, like that has a fada over the e at the end, and a bourbon and soda. These are like things that posh people would absolutely. Do, they say, why yeah. does he need to rob money if he's so posh? A gentleman, yeah. criminal, maybe yeah. Or Some, is he is he just is he just acting up a little bit? To yeah, maybe he's uh, faking yeah. it till he makes it, like Ocean's yeah. Eleven or something. Absolutely, like Don Cheadle in that shitty English accent. What was that? I can't remember. In Ocean's that. Eleven. I'm going to blow everything up. He's <laughs> in the back of the van. I pressed the button. <laughs> Fucking Don Cheadle, that's the worst English accent I've ever seen. Oh, God. He uh, he was sitting at the back of the flight, and he caught the eye of 23-year-old flight attendant Florence Schaffner. That's right. And Florence was like, she said in, in, in uh, uh, interviews later on, she was like, he was looking at me weird. And he pulled down his glasses, and he was like, giving me the kind of, yeah. how, how are you yeah, getting on? Come over here, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. What's the crack? So she was like, mm, because it was the 70s. Yeah. She was like, mm, maybe he, you know, wants to yeah. be a part of my high club. Landed in beside him. And then he's like, have a look at this, will you? And she looked yeah. down in his lap and she was like, oh, oh. It's and he had opened his attaché case and there was like a little bomb yeah. inside yeah. it. Didn't he give her a letter before that, though? Did he give her a little note. 
Yeah, and, and she thought it was his phone number. <laughs> yeah, she was like, <laughs> whatever. Like, meet, meet me in the bathroom. It's like Tinder minutes. wasn't around, man. <laughs> yeah. like, give him a letter. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if Tinder was around in the seventies? What oh would we, what would we have now if the evol- like the next evolution of Tinder? What could it be like if we're if we're going like no 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 yes no 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 yeah. no no yes? Could it be a thing where we're so removed from like a a, a physical relationship? That when you're looking at say, something on the internet, it's just like through a webcam. Yeah. And then you have like this weird electronic vagina that you put on your dick. Probably. And then your one has like a dick that she puts in and you just go boop, boop, boop and type in the code and it takes on the shape of her vagina, the oh. shape and temperature oh, right, of it. right, right. Some so 3D printing shit. Yeah, you just it's just like a, a customizable, programmable dick wow. and vagina. So you're saying that if we had Tinder back then, that's how... That's how far we'd be now. And that's probably the future is it I would imagine so like yeah. think about computers back then were like the size of a house yes and yeah. were all with and paper with holes yeah, in yeah and you had to just yeah and it was just to type up a letter or like, something like look at this like that's a that's a phone right now yeah and in the time the Blade Runner was made they couldn't even imagine that we'd have that, a phone they wouldn't like that. have that like that something like that would have to like be inside the size of a house kind y- of. yeah it wasn't even in the imagination of lads computer. who wrote Blade Runner yeah like in Blade Runner, crazy. they have flying cars and yeah. humans that are indist- or robots that are indistinguishable from uh-huh. humans. But they still had to like pull the cars up to pay phones to make phone calls. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not in their foresight. Like they didn't. So can you think if they had Tinder back then? Now, because Tinder is like, I think, separating. It's bringing people together, but it's also people yeah. get fed up with it because they're like, it's yeah. unemotional and it's maybe based on aesthetics only and it's kind of a maybe I'm wrong I never used Tinder so I mean I didn't either and I totally missed all that yeah thank god but at the same time people think that it's more shallow nowadays because it's like very much aesthetically and it's looks but at the same time I remember meeting girls and having them having my friend go up five minutes early to see how how she looked and (laughs) then he'd come back and say yeah I'd do her and that was like good enough for you to go okay you a virgin would do her so I will now (laughs) walk up to her and then she would she might recognise one of your like that's the worst thing that would happen is she would recognise him at a later meeting when you're friends and she's like do I know him and you're like no is he did he there was he the and then you notice one of her friends yeah. and you're like yeah you came to my place of work that is not on it's <laughs> I'm standing outside the shop looking at the window yeah. uh, I fancied you for years so but is it a thing where like there's guys doing that like you know the pickup artists you ever hear those pickup oh artists oh god guys? yeah I've heard of those guys so they go up and they, they have like a mechanical mathematical Did way it? to yeah you chat her up and you move her you turn her around you touch her arm you yeah. go like you put in the pin code and then her fucking fanny opens yeah. up yeah do you neg or something isn't Negging, it yeah so like, you say something horrible to her yeah is it you, 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 if there's three of them right you talk to the other two and you don't talk to the one you actually like oh right yeah. and it was sheer jealousy and need for attention she'd like suck your dick or something wow immediately wow and that then you'd be like, hey, that's a nice dress. Uh, I saw a good looking girl wearing that earlier on. Oh, my God. Something like that. Ronald Grace. But it's like, <laughs> it's one of those things. I always credit Does people's say, jokes. Oh, is that what he says? Yeah, is that one of his jokes? Yeah, right, it's one of his stand-up bits. But it's like, fucking hell, man. Like, Tinder is, uh, is that again. It's oh, like, yes, just yeah, like, yeah. no, 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 yes. Well, like there's no fear, porn, there's no um, fear porn of rejection. You just go, you just go. I think, you know. Let's think about it. Um. So Florence, after right. getting sw- sw- swiped she, right yeah. on... She got swiped right. Yeah. But she didn't... Well, she thought she got swiped right. <laughs> she actually got a letter. She opened up the note and the note said, I have a bomb in my briefcase. I will use it if necessary. And this is not a euphemism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to sit next to me. You are being hijacked. Amazing. 
Can you imagine, like, you were getting the thing thinking, uh huh, uh-huh. and then and you're uh-huh. only like, oh fuck, that's a serious anticlimax, like, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, fucked. So that's the equivalent of being swiped right, but it's a it's a murderer. That's done it. <laughs> you're like, I'm really into this guy. Oh, he wants to kill me. Is his name Ted? Oh, yeah. That sounds like a nice name. He's a good looking guy. Um, so yeah, she sat. She then immediately sat up beside him, uh, mm. and he's like, "Check this out!" And he had the bag in his lap, and he's like, "Whoa!" Yeah. And opened the bag, and in it was a device with wires, batteries, and yeah. what she thought was some kind of explosive in the mm-hmm. form of eight red cylinders, four on top of four. Proper. We can all picture that as being explosives. From I, yeah, like cartoons. Fucking, yeah, uh, um, Wiley Coyote would yeah. have some shit like that, yeah. you know. But could that have been a fake bomb? Very easily. Mm. I think there was a lot of, uh, we'll talk about it now in a few minutes, there was a lot of plane jackings at the time. Yeah. A lot of lads, Palestinians looking to be free, jacking up planes. And uh, it was the done thing for people mm. on those planes to just go, yeah, okay, it's a plane jacking. Okay, take him where he wants to go. It was a usual affair. So, I mean, if you were a guy who wanted to do it, you wouldn't even have to have real Semtex or real C4. No, you wouldn't, no. Just have like... A couple of Red Bull cans painted red and just be like, it's a bomb. Yeah, a little wire phone charger sticking out of it. Would you take the chance? If you, you were, the cha- if you were a pilot? If you were a stewardess and, or a steward. Right. But I, would I say, I, I, I would definitely... Call your man's bluff and just be like, I don't think that's a bomb. I, I definitely wouldn't do that. No? I would not call his bluff. If he showed me a sandwich and said it was a bomb, I wouldn't call his bluff. It's a big bluff to call. Yeah, I, I, I thought about would that you? one. I, I don't know, man. Like... You're fucked one way or the other. Because like, he's insane enough to try it anyway. That's so the he's thing. an insane fucker. Like, I, I, I often think of that... Uh, do you know that story from Flight 93 uh, the, of the, the, the 9-11 planes? There was one lad, he's like... They stood up. Right. And there was a phone call where he was calling, he was calling home. Right. Uh, and he was saying, like, look, we're going to do something. And then the phone went down, he's like, get him! And they, and they all ran towards the guy and they took him down and the plane still crashed like in the Pennsylvania okay, countryside. Right, it was right. the one that was going to smash into the White House and they right, saved the right, White House. Right, And those guys are heroes and there's a movie about all this stuff. And all. Yeah, like, yeah. You have to remember the 9-11 hijackers were yeah. armed with box cutters. Like yeah. a lad yeah. working in a pound shop who failed his leave insert yeah. has a little yellow box cutter, a little plastic job that has the blades yeah. that break off. Like that's what they held up those yeah. planes with and but I'm did, like mm. I'll take a cut to the face to yeah. save a plane but did they have a guy did they have someone with it to their neck and say yeah, like, you know use them yeah, yeah but it gets to a point where like everyone's gonna die here we need to we need to charge them and yet still when they did go rush him yeah the plane crashed and everybody died mm. anyway yeah and then they didn't find any bodies in the Pennsylvania countryside really? somehow they all they just went up evaporated like Cheech and Chong yeah evaporated yeah. somehow but I just think that like Surely somebody like wrestled away. I know now that they have lads in Afghanistan, like uh, army dudes. Yeah. Uh, you're in, army you're dudes. in Syria. <laughs> yeah, the army dudes. They're in Syria. They're in Iraq. They're in yeah. Afghanistan. And bombs are controlled remotely. They have IEDs. Okay, yeah, that yeah. Are, which are very different from IUDs. Okay, that I right, recently. right, right. Uh, IEDs were did have something in like you know an old hubcap or a bit of rubbish on the road. And when the army lads go to push it off the road, so the cars will go by. There's a fella in the bush, and he's like. Boop, boop, beep, boop. On a Nokia 3310, oh. and, yeah. and he sends a text message to it, and it blows up. Right. Because there's like a, a circuit that goes into the mobile that's connected to the. Yeah, bl- yeah. The close the circuit. And it's all. Yeah, you're an electrician. Yeah. You know the crack. Yeah. You know how to make bombs. Yes. So if you're doing that, what's the best way to prevent the signal going through? Is there's, there's a lad and he wears a, a backpack, yeah. and it has like a signal jammer. 
right. on that frequency like so the 800 gsm right the 800 megahertz frequency so he wears this thing and it jams all those so they don't blow up right right do you know so i mean why don't planes have that on them now why don't they have you know what i mean there's all these protections yeah that yeah. they didn't have in the 70s yeah Lads could just walk onto the plane with a bomb but he also didn't have the technology to detonate it remotely. So yeah, if you how just would he have detonated it? Did he need to like get a lighter and light? Yeah. <laughs> was it like how you start a lawnmower? You pull the fucking... Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. something, you know? Surely there was a way Surely. to box him in the head and just take the yeah. bag off him. Like. I guess you know, like she just froze, you know? Yeah. And was like... Mm. It's very hard to tell how, how tough, how hard it's very man you It's very easy to imagine you being amazing and punching him of in the course. mouth. Of course. Like, very rarely <laughs> were they get into physical altercations. Yeah. And yet, I'm an anti-terrorist expert yeah. when it comes to a cunt with a fucking bomb. Yeah, you've got D.B. Cooper in an arm lock and you're... <laughs> and everyone is clapping you. UFC high five yeah. on the way down the fucking stairs of the plane and all. It just seems a bit weird to me that he was able to to do that but I guess there is a precedent set there where aeroplane staff are just like just fucking cooperate yeah man. yeah. well it was happening so much yeah. it was as common as someone running from your taxi you're <laughs> yeah. like do I run after him and, 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 and risk getting the absolute crap beaten out of me by four of his mates around the corner yeah. or I would just take a hit and go you know what I mean or I get out to and run leave. and then someone, and gets, then in someone gets in my car and drives away so just like she was probably just going and also he was apparently so calm yeah. And his persona maybe it rubbed off a little bit, and she went, "Okay, you know." We've got a lot of that in these true crime episodes where you have mm. guys like uh, Richard Speck and Ted Bundy who are yeah. super charming, super charming, and yeah, calming and manipulative, and yeah. but like not in an insidious way. It was just very. It's crazy how they can be so charming and super because they don't they don't have any empathy a lot of the time or anything like that. So how do they even put themselves in that person's situation to be a to fun know cat? how their feelings yeah. work? Yeah. You know it seems I mean? it seems weird, like he could be a sociopath and still feel the feelings, but just not care. Yes, and I yeah, think that's true. across the board. That's kind of mm. like Ted Bundy was definitely uh, a sociopath. No one that he did something wrong, mm-hmm. and then confessing at the end before he got killed. Yes, but DB was a like a gentleman. Gentleman uh, Dan, as he was known to his friends, uh, all his demands were were two hundred thousand dollars in negotiable American currency, four parachutes, so two main parachutes and two reserves a fuel truck standing by to refuel the plane when they landed in Seattle so he could get on to Mexico, which was his ultimate destination. And then the pilot gave false information to keep all the, the people in the, the plane calm. calm. He was like, yeah, yeah. none of this is happening. This is all grand. We're going to make an unscheduled stop in Seattle. Don't nobody worry. It's a minor technical difficulty. So everyone's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're all cool with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm grand. Uh, they circled around for about two hours around the uh, Seattle-Tacoma airport. And this allowed the police to go and, uh, and the FBI to go and get, like, all of Cooper's accoutrements, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, Very, like, placid, very, uh, uh, you know, calm mm-hmm. acquisition of all of these mad things that he requested. And they... They basically got everything for him and put it on the plane. Mm. Um, Schaffner remembers Cooper being, like, you know, as they were, as they were flying over... Uh, certain certain parts on the way to Seattle, uh, she remembers him being familiar with local landmarks and saying like, "Oh, it looks like Tacoma down there." Or right, right. Re- remarking like that, McCord Air Base was only a twenty minute drive away, uh-huh. so that they'll be able to get yeah. get here with like good parachutes real quick. Did, didn't he ask for a specific type of parachute as well, though? He, he did. He, there was a military parachute yeah, come from McCord. That they automatically open. He didn't want them yeah. for some reason. There was a thing. You know the way when you see the lads like go 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 and yeah. jump and they have. And it goes sh- yeah, immediately it's like a, almost. A carabiner yeah, is on, yeah. a, on a pole or on a string. Yeah. And you yeah, jump off. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess 
he wanted to like free fall for much longer. Of course he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And With all uh, the, sh- the stuff that he was taking. Yeah, what? and then pull it before. What's the what's the limits like? F- you know. Uh, well, I did a skydive, and it was like, I think I did one from fourteen thousand feet, and I think there was. I think now anyway, you can't go under eight thousand feet or something. Yeah. You can't jump out, and you can. And the free fall is a lot shorter the lower down you are before you pull the chute. But I don't know the actual. Um, the actual height, like you know, but if you pull it like too late, your your velocity is too much, so you exactly. land and break your legs. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. You'll have a bad landing. Yeah. But all I could think of when he said he wanted four parachutes was uh, the episode of Father Ted where Jack robbed the two parachutes, <laughs> to put jumped out of the, the plane, and then he got stuck in a tree with the um, with the mini bar sort of little. <laughs> yeah. But that's all I could think of was him being in a tree and all the money being on the other side. Yeah. You know. That's that's. I bet you that's probably. That's exactly I wonder if Graham Linehan and them go. This is D, this is a DB Cooper. This definitely knew about it. Yeah, I have to say, absolutely. So, like, he's asking for four parachutes. You would think that that's like uh, uh, one one for him and one for yeah. the bag of money. Yeah, or whatever. So they're, they're they're circling the thing. He's going like, oh yeah, it looks like thing down there. Like this is a guy who knew the crack. He knows a lot. He knows the crack. The, he he refused those military uh, parachutes yeah. and he asked for civilian ones instead. Yeah. And they had like a manual rip cord. Yes. So he's going to obviously come down to a certain height and then pull the cord. Uh-huh. So between that and then knowing that uh, McCord Air Force Base was very close by, mm-hmm. one was surmise. That he knew exactly what he was doing as regards like paratrooping or jumping out of planes. Yeah. It wasn't his first time. Definitely wasn't his first time. It would lean towards military knowledge because he yeah. knows what not to have and he yeah. knows some Air Force Bay. Like they, these are the circumstantial evidences that you get when you're talking about T.B. Cooper. God, yeah. And as well, I think he was buying, he, he wanted four of them to sort of lead the guys astray so they wouldn't tamper with any because he was like... He wanted them to think, oh, maybe I will take someone with me. Yeah. And they were like, we can't risk tampering one of them just yeah. in case he makes the air stewardess jump out with him. And then she dies. Like, because you know. they give him a jam. A, yeah, a gammy, yeah. A so they had, he was, it was kind of I a clever enough move of him going, I want four of them. Yeah. And then I had to give him four good ones then just in case he was going to get two people to jump out with him, you know. I never even thought about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's You've done I, this before, Chris. No, no, no. <laughs> I haven't. Well, he uh, actually did with the spare ones. He took uh, one spare shoe, put him on himself. Yeah. And he had one man shoot himself. Yeah. And then he took the cord. He took one of this, uh, one of these um, supporting cords. So the other way on a parachute, there's like a big plume. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like a small plume at the top. Yeah, yeah. That has extra string. So he took the string off that small plume. Yeah. And they think that's what he tied the money the money yeah. to himself with. Yeah. Um, and he left he left like the parachute that parachute in the plane. Yeah. With the bits cut off. But apparently out of the four parachutes they gave him anyway, they had accidentally given him one that was faulty or something. And he left two on the plane and he jumped with one of the faulty ones. Uh, as a spare yeah 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 Imagine. yeah. well we, they don't know they don't know two of them were gone anyway so maybe he had two on him and one of them was the faulty one you know you, you, I don't know if it was only a, one way to fight there. I don't know was it faulty or there was something up with it anyway they got it because they could get the military ones and whatever type of parachute he wanted they really were having trouble getting yeah. them and that's why they had to stall they got them uh, from from um uh, flight instructors in Tacoma yeah so they uh, had to like drive like 20 minutes there and 20 minutes back I, I, and then afterwards, he was like, oh, f- I'm after giving you this. I didn't realise I gave yeah. you this. I can't remember what it was. It was some kind of, some kind of fault with it anywhere. But maybe that's why they couldn't ever find Or maybe they're Cooper just saying that now. They're like, oh, yeah, let, yeah. let's pretend we don't know one of these is faulty until they're all on the plane and all that. 
Yeah, it could have been a reason why he's never found because he ended up somewhere in a fucking lake. But like, Probably. they never found a body. They never found parachute. You think you find something? I mean, even if you they went didn't to even find the abandoned parachutes. Like, and they're huge. Yeah. If you go into water with one of them, you think they'd find it. Yeah. No trace. Like nothing. Um. So uh, Schaffner, uh, who was talking to him the whole time. Uh, he, he was like leaning over before they landed going like oh yeah this bourbon and soda is delicious like real charmer and she said that they were all briefed that there's this spate of like uh, hijackers that are like uh, take me to Cuba yeah they'll, they'll, they'll just jump up and go I have a bomb let's go to Cuba yeah uh, and everyone on the plane is like oh god almighty I'm sick of Cuba sick of this shit <laughs> so uh, Cooper and these guys were like vastly different uh, she said he was a real gentleman and he even paid for his drinks he got two or yeah. three bourbon and sodas oh. he paid for his drinks and left her to change as a tip and she and refused it did she? she refused it and wow. he then said okay then I'll make sure you get off the plane and him uh, uh, her and another uh, air hostess were allowed to leave with the rest of the passengers because she was yeah. so nice and cooperative with isn't him. it lovely though when uh, people like that are sound you know, people ro- yeah, cr- sound. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, there's if you're no- going to be kidnapped by someone, yeah, be kidnapped and by after sound, sound yeah. and they're like, "Can I get you a cup of tea or a drink or something?" <laughs> yeah, you know, you're all right there. Do you need to go to the bathroom? It'd make a difference, wouldn't it? The whole yeah. the whole thing wouldn't be as traumatic. It wouldn't be. I mean, you can imagine it's very different. Um, a very Reservoir Dogs would be a very different movie. Yeah, if Mister Blonde was like a sound fella. Yeah, yeah, just back on. Yeah, um, I don't know how sound can you be though if you're. If you're doing something like so heinous, the, yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean, is it that heinous? It, it, no, it's he's not because he just wants money. Yeah, he wants money, it. and the air, airlines insurance is apparently going to cover it because it happens that often. And they're willing; they they want they're giving him everything. Yeah. But a few things went wrong like that. Uh, they got delayed looking for the parachutes, yeah. and then when they came down, they had to refuel. And when they were refueling, um, something a genuine technical glitch went with the um, the pump. Yeah, yeah. And he was thinking to himself, "This is totally." Set up this like. is FBI buying time to get a sniper into place, but mm. it was nothing like that. It was a genuine, uh, so there was a bit of panic for a while there. There was like. three fuel trucks they had to call. That was right, yeah, so yeah. The first one fucked up. Yeah. The second one was only half full. Yeah. And then the third one was the one that delivered the last thing. But after the second one, DB Cooper was like, mm, "I'm not happy yeah, with this." Yeah, I would hate to be in any of those fuel truck drivers. Shaking. <laughs> oh, is it working? I'm not even supposed to be on. This is overtime. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the plane landed in Seattle. Yeah. He allowed the 36 passengers to leave, including what the, the flight attendants, and he requested that uh, all of the stuff was loaded onto the plane by uh, the manager. Mm-hmm. It then took, took off towards Mexico City, and it had, like, real specific instructions where to go and how. Uh, Ross Richardson was one of the many authors to write about this case, and in his book, Still Missing, he said... Uh, D.B. Cooper demanded that the pilot fly at just 10,000 feet so it wouldn't require oxygen, so mm-hmm. the cabin wouldn't decompress. Somewhere between Seattle and Reno, uh, Cooper tied a bag of ransom money to himself. We'll talk about this in more detail in a few yeah. minutes. But uh, he strapped uh, uh, one of the parachutes on uh, and then jumped out of the back of the plane to an unknown fate yeah. and they, was never found. They took off with the back door open as well, didn't they, or something? He, he or tried did to. He? That's the oh, thing. Right, there right, right. Bit, there's a bit of spurious kind okay, of information yeah. about that. Uh, the back door was where he jumped out and the Boeing 727 is one of these planes that 
is the only one to have a rear access door. Mm-hmm. So it's the type you see in the movies when the lads are like, go, go, go. Do you know the oh, military yeah, movies? Yeah, yeah, And they yeah. run down the ramp and then they jump yeah, off like Captain America. Yeah, he knew all He knew it, was, it would have been so hard to get out the exactly. middle door or anything like that. Like, as well, at the speed you're going, if you're not in like a, one of those small engine, like Cessnas or, do you know mm-hmm. these, the, 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 you've been yeah, in yeah, one, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a small plane. Can you imagine if the plane was like, a hundred feet longer. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be jumping out of that thing. Jumping out of it and banging off the side yeah. of the way down Ow. and all. So he's like, I need a backloading plane. He knew yeah. the fucking crack. 727, $20 ticket. And uh, the Boeing 727 had uh, the landing gear down. Yeah. The back door was, was open when yeah. he jumped out. Yeah. But when they were taken off, uh, he, he basically wanted the back doors open mm. and the uh, stairs down. Yeah. And the pilot and some of the crew were like, please don't do that. It's very dangerous. Yeah. And he's like, it's grand. I know that it's totally grand. Yeah. Let's do it. Like in a very calm way, but like in a reasoning way. Mm. And he's like, it's totally grand, lads. You know it. I know it. And they're like, can we just do it like and be safe? And he's like, God. Go on. Again, being sound. Go on. He just let them again. Have, yeah. yeah. He was yeah. like, if you're worried about it, go on. But there's an interesting thing. I'll talk about that later on about that particular choice. Okay. Because... We have to look at like who who these who the suspects were and what they knew yeah, to know yeah. how to do it. So I'll tell you about that again in a second. So the passengers uh, uh, were released at five thirty nine p.m. Cooper instructed the pilot to move over to a brightly lit but isolated area of the airport. Yeah, like you said, they were waiting for all uh, all the stuff to come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were being filled up with petrol and all the lads were yeah. coming and it was pumps were fucked up. So he's like, right. Pull down all the windows. I'm not getting sniped in this motherfucker. Yeah. And then Northwest Airlines manager from the airport, Al Lee, approached the plane in street clothes, just mm-hmm. so he wouldn't be mistaken Spook for a him. cop or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. And uh, he handed over the cash via the rear stairs. And the parachutes. And the parachutes and all the other gear. And uh, he checked them all while he was on the plane and all, didn't he? Yeah, he got on. Al got onto the plane and yeah. it was handed to a, 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 one of the air hostesses, Tina, we'll talk about her in a sec. She pulled all the stuff onto the plane. They all got in. And then there was the little argument about, shall we take off with the stairs mm-hmm. down? And Al apparently said, it's really dangerous. Let's yeah. not do that. We have to think of the safety of who's left. Everyone's gone now, apart from the pilot, the co-pilot, yeah. Al, and uh, uh, two of the air, air stewardesses. Yeah, yeah. So really, it's a company issue at this point. It's not a public yeah. safety issue. And they were willing to go, yeah, fuck it, take off. Yeah. Would you, would you trust your job if they let you off in a plane... With, with a lad would you trust your job like would you go would you still work for them would you be like after that yeah Sydney, you yeah. you let me take off yeah with a cunt with a bomb in the back yeah. of it can I trust yeah. working for you like should I should I be compensated should I continue working for that company I would definitely say it would be uh, having a bit of compensation but like what happens in that case if you're in a bank and someone but, robs it like yeah do you know I don't know maybe it's maybe it's just like something that you, it's in your contract I don't know yeah like maybe it's just something like I mean but what what could they realistically do the company they go okay no you're not keeping them on this plane and then just say they do call his bluff and next thing he presses a button and boom, lights the fuse four or five whatever he needs to do like starts <laughs> yeah. rolling sticks to make a little fire and they're like please calm down no I'm gonna I'm gonna blow this fuck you can't stop me and they're just like too polite to get involved and maybe like Tom, even helping him like Tom Hanks and yeah. Castaway or some shit um, yeah it's just it just like I'd be really thick Oh, I'd, I'd be, be really mad, like. I'd be ticked just for the fact that I'm getting home so late in the first place. 
How are you, love? Yeah, listen, um, I have to go to Mexico. Yeah, sorry about Mexico, that. Mexico, I know. Well, do you want anything in Mexico? Maybe? <laughs> yeah, what are we having for dinner? Enchiladas. Get some fajitas. The flight attendants, yeah. uh, as good as they were, they, they were pretty much like the yay or nay with yeah. all the suspects that were to come over the, the, the following years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the ones who talked to him. They were up close. They, yeah. they saw his face. And they worked with sketch artists to create this famous sketch that we, uh, we yeah. all see. It's, it's on the spooky. cover of this episode. Yeah. Uh, lad with glasses, lad without glasses. Looks a bit like Phil Collins kind of a thing. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they described him as 40-something. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be like a, a haggard late 30s. Uh, five foot ten, weighing 170 pounds in a black suit with a pencil tie and loafers. Yeah. And Cooper left his tie on the plane before he that jumped off, he famously. Left, yeah. And he attached, uh, he, it was attached to him with a tie clip. So this tie clip and this uh, um, uh, tie was examined by the FBI mm-hmm. and the DNA and uh, all the information that they got from it, they were able to eliminate over a thousand suspects right. within like a matter of months. Right. So like that little bit of evidence was the only thing yeah, that they could yeah. find. Because he wiped everything else down. He the took glass the, he was drinking out of. The glass was, he left it in with all the other glasses yeah so they didn't know which one oh, it was that what he did? that's oh, what he did wow. he took the notes because right. he was handing out notes yeah he asked for the note back he bring took, the note back he to took me. the bomb yeah uh but at this time you see they already had lads who were trying to figure out stuff like um trying to figure out like you know handwriting yeah, like yeah serial yeah. killers and all this yeah. stuff the fbi were very much active in yeah, that so yeah. he's like note back. he was so, fairly yeah he was fairly switched on like yeah. he was like yeah give us the note back and if it was a real bomb would you bought it with you <laughs> Yeah, what do you need it for? <laughs> I'm going to bring it. Time. Like, is it not dangerous enough jumping out of a plane and the weather was apparently crazy? Oh, I'll just bring the bomb as well so I don't <laughs> leave that get, behind wait, me. It's a nice attaché case. I, I get that for Christmas. I think maybe the bomb was probably, yeah, a couple of empty cylinders that he used then as a, sh- you know, shoving all the money into it. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Empty out the case. There's just like, there's six red, yeah. red bull cans <laughs> here. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Do you think that maybe it could be possible? Now, this is... um do you know, there's no factual basis to this at all. Do you think maybe that the FBI did find the bomb, but they were like, it was fake and they okay. were too embarrassed okay. to... Okay, right, I get you. It was on the plane and it was just like a couple of candlesticks yeah. with, d- with TNT, d- TNT written, written on it. it. Yeah. Um, and they were just a little bit too embarrassed to go like, yeah, go on. I don't know. See, I think they'd get more kudos from finding the bomb, even if it was fake, and then saying, hey, we found it, but we disarmed it, and everyone is now okay. Yeah, you think? I think they'd do something like that, yeah. Rather than rather than say it wasn't there? Yeah, probably. Mm. I don't know, though. There's a lot of bags, I guess, in a, in a, a passenger plane that There's you could... There's a knot, yeah. You could, like, lose it if you didn't want to seem like a gobshite to yes. give up a plane for a couple of candles. Yes. Do you know? I just That's just something that I was thinking as I was no, looking no, through it. Good, it was like, it's a good point. They, could they fuck it off, you know, and go like, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was totally a real bomb, but he took it with him. Like, why would you take it with you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you fuck a big bag of money, like. So the FBI report on Cooper describes him as uh, olive-skinned, Latin appearance. His voice was low and he spoke intelligently. He had no particular accent and he was a heavy smoker. He went through... Oh, you could smoke on planes back then. Yeah. Wow. Coolest shit ever, man. Huh. Burt Reynolds cool. He ended up uh, smoking a half a box of cigarettes. Right. And they were able to take the cigarette butts yeah but couldn't get a definitive DNA uh, yeah, sample from them it wasn't the, um, it was quite new back then yeah you know it was like <laughs> your alleles weren't able yeah. to be identified yeah but they were still able to find like the brand and where they could be bought and yeah can't narrow it down too much though can it really I mean, it's fucking smokes man <laughs> we've narrowed it down too yeah. 
It's Every a, shop and liquor store in the United States. <laughs> he smokes like this. He squeezes yeah. them real tight. So you just have to look for like some knacker on the, on the corner. Yeah. Smells like, yeah. on, like that. There the guys. This could be a. F- is it? A, it was a fifteen-year-old girl that did it because that's how yeah. they smoke. Yeah. Um, the ultimate details that have been left behind for this case are that which we've outlined. There's so many investigations. Like FBI believed it. Uh, uh, D.B. Cooper had to have military training because yeah. how he knew how to jump but he knew all the information and initially after uh, dismissing the first thousand like suspects uh, they focused their investigation on three men who fitted the description mm-hmm. all of whom turned out to not be him within like a year Yeah, and uh, even though w- one of those three men did confess under questioning to killing his family years previous and another one confessed to being Cooper but it turned out he was mental and he wanted a bit of oh really a bit of fame right and it definitely wasn't him but he was like yeah fuck it I'm gonna try but they were all ex-military dudes yeah can you imagine confessing to a crime you didn't commit like that just to get famous I know or even yeah even just confident so the other guy killed his family is that yeah that's what they say oh my god and he confessed to it just how did he kill them was it true move of a plan oh my god I I couldn't find I couldn't find that guy uh, if anyone knows who that guy is uh, but yeah apparently that's the crack he confessed to killing his family oh my god yeah. they, were just, they were just like so we know you've done something yeah I did it <laughs> also you did it it's like in yeah, my cousin yeah. Vinny where he's like I shot the clerk yeah I shot the clerk <laughs> you, you all heard him he said he shot yeah. the clerk oh my god so imagine fucking hanging yourself um, so, so Cooper knew what he was doing like we, we, he, he was a specialist yeah right and uh, when it came to aviation, jumping out of planes, all this stuff, they suspected him of being a Vietnam War vet, a paratrooper or some other yeah. type of pre- professional p- person that had these kind of jumping out of plane skills. And uh, when the plane took off after refueling, he instructed the pilot to fly at 10,000 feet at 150 miles an hour, which is the minimum speed that a plane of that size yeah. could fly without stalling the engine. Yeah, yeah. That's smart, right? That's smart, yeah. I wonder, was he smart up to a point, or was he such a good bluffer? But still, when he was at the back of the plane, he's going, oh my God, I've got this far, but I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and then he just, Which jumped one out, and he just jumped out and strangled himself on the cords. Yeah. Imagine the the bollocks that you'd have to have, especially like he'd have to have done all his, uh, you know, weight, weight differential yeah. calculations. And hmm. if he was jumping out with a, a parachute that's meant to take a man. Yeah. Do you know when they're delivering up the parachute from a, a like a, a, a skydiving center? Mm. Do you know the ones you when you do a tandem? You yeah, did a tandem. Yeah, did I you? did a tandem. Yeah. So the tandems have to be bigger and they have to be longer shaped. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the singular ones are a little bit shorter and they don't mm. have as much. Or if you get the ones where you're able to do do this, where you're pulling your arms up and down, you can steer it like yeah, in, uh, yeah, in yeah. Hitman or I something. I wonder is that something like he had? Is it? I mean, he he rejected the ones that were given to him first. Yeah. So he obviously knew the style that he wanted. Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, so what, sort of, what, what way was the money delivered to him? What way did he get that off the plane? So that's what I mean. They're they, they saying he put it into the top part, the little top bit okay, of right. that other parachute and tied it around him. Okay, right, right, right. That's what, that's what I've read online. So Ali brought the money up and the parachutes and all that stuff on a little trolley, you know, wheeled it up to the plane, passed it up through the stairs... Amazing. And then got on the plane. So he's like, right, come on in. And he's like, um, I was just going to, I was actually going to head back. No, Al, come on. On yeah, the plane. Yeah, yeah, What are you going to do? Yeah. Poor old Al um, got yeah. roped into it. Like, uh, but he, like the $200,000 in $20 bills was how it was delivered. Nice. And the All FBI marked. had arranged, yeah, that they, yeah. they were marked, uh, they were from the treasury 
in San Francisco. Yeah. And they were all marked with an L. Yeah, yeah. But there was, wasn't there people writing down the codes, the serial codes and all the They notes? had microfilm uh, yeah. photographs of every single banknote. Right? Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot like... So was it never any good to him then, the money? I suppose, no. He's go, you're going to get to spend it in some way. But the money never resurfaced, apparently. No. It never came back into circulation. There was one story of a kid who, in the around the area, in, uh, around Utah, Reno, uh, at, a, at a small lakeside, right. dug up... No a, a ball of notes and was it then was it and they were all de- like desiccated uh, so they took apart the notes one by one and finally when they got into the middle like the outside had been completely rotten oh god but finally right. when they got into the middle they found some of the banknotes and the, the numbers matched, matched and, and they were all so under laminate that was his now. money some of it yeah yeah but yeah. he could have like that could have dropped out as he was flying along and he landed yeah, like a mile yeah. down the road or whatever yeah. um, but the fact that the money never came back into circulation what do you think if he did survive what was he playing at Maybe it's in a it's in a safe deposit box somewhere, and there's a key waiting to discover yeah, it. Or maybe, but what does he gain from it then, though? But that's the thing. I mean, like, if you're able to give it the key to somebody to go, there's two hundred thousand in that safe deposit box. Yeah. Do you believe me? You're like, yeah, okay. Give me, give me that thing that I'm buying off you worth two hundred thousand. Yeah, I wonder is it worth even more now? If that's the actual, you know, I'd say the notes because it's with those serial these numbers. These are the original be. notes, mm. and if it is locked away somewhere, is it is it like worth a lot more money now? Did you see? Did you see the DB Cooper notes? No. They're 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 kind of like uh, smashed up a little bit. Oh, I might have seen them actually. Yeah. They're like a bit rotten around the edges. That's what they ah, look like. Ah, right. You know, they're they're scalded enough now. There's no way you would. You're not be, passing them off. You're no. not passing that to no, anyone. No. no, no, and that's a twenty. I mean, like you'd want to be very cheeky and very confident. Uh, you want to have the confidence <laughs> of D.B. Cooper to fold that up, bring it into a shop. You'd ask for the goods and, and then you'd kind of push it across. And then by the time they open it up, you're gone. You yeah. know, that's the only way you're spending that money. I, I've often like felt guilty about passing a fiver. A raggedy fiver, a raggedy yeah. Fiver. Set a tape together. Yeah. Because you pulled it out of your back pocket one yeah, night too yeah. quick and it ripped in half. Or you just got it. It came to you. Yeah. Someone tricked you into like, taking this horrible thing. thing or. Well, the kid, he found he found like a few thousand dollars wow. worth of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it was all rotten on the outside. Some of the ones on the inside were okay. And now they're all under laminate. Under I wonder, was it all of it? And it just all rotted in. Quite possibly. Somewhere he borrowed, you know. He but think about like 10, there's 10,000 20 notes. Mm. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. That's heavy, man. Yeah, yeah. Like think about, have you ever held like 10 grand in your hand? No, I haven't. Like <laughs> Definitely it's, haven't. It's heavy, like. Yeah, yeah. The most I've held is like maybe five grand in cash. Yeah. And that was in 50s. And it's small enough. It's only about maybe yeah, an inch yeah. high. Yeah. But it's like, it's heavy. Yeah, yeah. It's dense. Yeah. So if it's in 20s, it's like 30, 40, no, it's 40 yeah. times more than that. Yeah, like, so yeah. It's at least like a backpack mm. full, packed. Yeah. So maybe a few kilos worth of, yeah. of, Easily. of cash. Easily. 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 Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it never turned up. It wasn't spent. Mm. Uh, all, the, all the serial numbers, they were waiting for somebody to spend it to find this. Uh, find the guy, yeah. Yeah, the, the paper trail or whatever. You'd really want to be like, how do you cover that? Like, so... Not every every single transaction that happens across. You can't just check every single note for the serial number, can you? Well, that's what I mean. I think it's like maybe, a, what would you say, like a, a transaction in kind. Yeah. Where they'd go like, here's a bag of 200 grand, like give me all them drugs. Yeah, And then yeah. that just goes into a big load. Like who knows that that 200,000 didn't go into Pablo Escobar's oh, God, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, thing. And like 
there's a rumor that he burned two million dollars worth of American that. dollars yeah. to to keep his daughter warm one evening yeah. when she was cold. Yeah, because he had so much cash that he couldn't do. Like maybe that's that, when he was on the run. Yeah, yeah. They, two, were in, they were in a safe house and he yeah. burnt the money. Yeah, that two hundred thousand could have de- easily went into that shit. Easily, yeah. passed through like the black market. Yeah, and it yeah. never went through official hands to be yeah. looked at as a yeah, just laundered, just laundered through, cleaned but, up. But it's, it's never been it's never been touched by official never, hands. Never been, like, never got back into circulation. Yeah, crime to crime because they were sending all that money back to uh, uh, Colombia. Yeah. In, in planes that were pack, like packing up stuff for us so maybe he just bought so a lot yeah, of so yeah you definitely can't yeah, use yo. it as it never came into circulation therefore he must have died yeah. and lost the money so yeah like you said it could have went anywhere yeah I think it'd have to go somewhere unofficial yeah so yeah he, he had to be he had to be like a military expert to know yeah. you're flying at 10,000 feet 115 miles an hour was the slowest you could go without stalling the, the massive plane's engine he asked for the landing gear to remain out and the wing flaps to be lowered by 15 degrees and the cabin to be re- remain unpressurized. Like, they're all real specific yeah. technical knowledge requests. Yeah. yeah. Not only does he sound like he has experience, he sounds like he has copious amounts of experience. Yeah. And he did this a lot. Expert. Like, he's an yeah. expert. So, he knows what he's at. Absolutely. So, he, he was obviously preparing for the jump. He didn't want to be going too fast, get pulled apart. He didn't want to be going too high because uh, he wanted to stay... Not only under radar, but also uh, under the uh, range of the military jets that yeah, were following them. Yeah, they were them. following them, yeah. They yeah, had two yeah. jets up in the air. And the jets Never actually... Never saw them leave the plane. Had, they, had to, they had to keep on circling around. Yeah. Because it was going so slow, they couldn't yeah, yeah, go as slow yeah, as yeah. that. He knew a lot, man. So when they were yeah. off in the distance... Yeah. And they were coming back, when they were coming back and he was behind them, then he probably jumped out. Yes. So it was yeah. just like a hide and seek. He, yeah, to know all that, you had to be a fucking pro. Yeah. But but what do you do when you land though? You know what I mean? Where's it like? Did he have yeah. a plan on the ground? Did he have someone? How do you, how does he even know where he's going to land? Does he have someone helping him out down here as well? Going well by all accounts, the plan went fucked because the plane was bound for Mexico. Yeah. But co-pilot William Ratashik, which is a Polish name, is hard to say, uh, Ratashik. Uh, told Cooper that there wouldn't be enough fuel to make it to Mexico. Yeah. Uh, it had a range of about a thousand miles as it was, so that they agreed uh, Reno would probably be the best place to refuel. And uh, the plane adjusted this autopilot for Reno, and Cooper ordered them all into the cockpit and began this whole thing of lowering the stairs and opening the door. Now, before takeoff, like you said, Cooper mm-hmm. wanted to have the, the, the stairs down and the doors open. Yeah. And this is the bit that I... that I, I, I think... If he was a super pro, he wouldn't have let happen because he'd know, or maybe it was a double bluff, but he'd know that this particular method of getting out of the plane yeah. would leave a trace, right? So he argued, and with authority, the, the, the witnesses say... It'll be grand. It'll be yeah. grand if yeah. we take off with the, with the thing down. But he didn't. And when they opened up the stairs, mm-hmm. a thing went off in the cockpit and went, bing, bing, the stairs are being opened. And then when he opened the door for the pressurization, it went... Phoom. Bing, yeah. bing. Another, oh, we're after losing pressure in the cabin, right, so the doors right. must be open. And this was at like eight, uh, eight minutes past eight. Yeah, yeah. Right? So as so, he was bundling in at 8 yeah. p.m., he's like, I'll get into the cockpit. Uh, Tina Mucklow, who was the 
the air hostess who took the stuff in from Ali. Yeah. Uh, she, out of the corner of her eye, just as she went in, saw him strap something around his waist, and it was presumably the bag the of money. money. Yeah. And it was a string, so it was from the parachute. And then a warning light, they went off in the cockpit, and people were like, he must be doing something now. So yeah. they were able to time it exactly. They were able to get a bit of a time. So uh, so when they knew where the plane was, yeah. geographically, yeah. according to the time, they knew that he was in this area. Yeah. Like, if you're a pro and you went to all that trouble, yeah, yeah. why would you leave them anything to... Yeah, but they also think um, if the door wasn't even open, they felt a bit of a bump. They felt the weight uh, leaving the plane as well at a certain time. So whatever he had was very heavy. They they felt a bit of a thud. And then he, because he was responding to the pilot from the little phone at the back. They even said, they rang him up and they were like, I don't think this is a good idea that you should jump off. And he was like, fuck off. (laughs) Yeah, good luck to you lads. I think they're going to pull out now. What do you think it was going to do? Yeah. But like... But I they just still didn't find him though, so it's no, still. No, I know, but that's what I'm saying. It's it was a bit of a bluff. rookie, and it was a bit of a yeah. Maybe he said like, if I if I mark it to the minute, yeah, of where I'm going to jump out. Yeah, he must have had some plan on the ground. They'll be looking somewhere else for me, where I whereas I'm in this special thing where I jumped out at ten thousand feet and I pulled the cord straight away and floated like fifty miles away. You know? So he must have had some plan on the ground. So what what time was it when he was landing? Then roughly was it. In the was it like ten past eight is the time that they say he left the stair back stairs of the plane night or day night time night time right so it was maybe dark I don't know so they had landed in Seattle at at like half five yeah and by by ten past eight they were from Seattle and they were over the the Reno area yeah on their way about halfway between Seattle and Reno on their way to um, and they properly gave that a good searching this twenty eight mile square mile yeah, radius every inch of it like is what they said that he could reach from that distance yeah launching at ten thousand feet mm. and the furthest he could get on those parachutes so what was that area he landed in was it like forest lake mountain yeah, yeah. so yeah I mean into the lake but this parachute probably would have floated. You would have found him pretty quickly. If he was, if he didn't tidy it up, yeah. yeah. But they were saying that maybe he, he, he knew where he was, still knew where he was going, landed, burned his parachute, yeah. burned evidence, got the money. Or got, packed up the parachute and, and clearly, brought it with him wherever he was going. Exactly. He's there's got, no remnants at all found. There's nothing at all. And clearly, he, if he's got some military experience, then he can survive, you know. Like, it was like a cliffhanger situation. Yeah, it was class. Where Sylvester Stallone is like... I'm going to get the money up in the mountain like yeah. climbing the thing and all maybe it was that he was just hiding in a cave somewhere yeah. he knew exactly I'm where hoping he, he did get away anyway I mean people think he may have died afterwards um, true to exposure and you know he they never found anything because he could have been killed and then animals basically eating him his bones are scattered everywhere because yeah. these lads are coming in have a little nibble and he's, just, sure he's just spread everywhere they say the money might have uh, ended up at the top of uh a river source yeah so that the water was coming down and washing the money down into the muck yeah. where this child then in the riverbed found ah, chunks right. of money so that was only maybe a small bit of yeah. money that was uh, uh, buried also, further up river very much could have been something he did he could have probably taken a little bit of the money went no, I'm going to just put this here As if a, he's so clever yeah, yeah he's going to go I'm going to try and set up a few little it was a fuck you to the system it in a really, really big was, way. Yeah. I hope but he got away. There was loads of people that were suspected of it, and some of the most popular, yes. Chris, you're going to tell us about now. Yes. Um, there was uh, Kenneth Christensen, uh, identified by his brother after he'd watched a documentary about the hijacking, which is pretty shitty. Yeah. I think <laughs> I, I found think in, um, Ted, in Ted Kaczynski, when we talked about the Unabomber, I don't know if you watched that. Um, I didn't. And it was like his sister and, and brother-in-law. Oh, really? They're the ones that sort of identified him yeah. from from the way he was he was writing he wrote this manifesto okay. and his use of language and the little phrases because he was oh. like a, a very well read 
kind of a, a academic. Yeah. So the academic phrases that he was using in his manifesto, his Why? sister recognized my brother uh, Ted has papers like that and they went under, under your man's bed and pulled out all these shoe boxes holy shit and was reading it and going it's definitely him wow amazing like that is class so I mean it's not the first brother yeah. or sister that yeah I know but like I mean maybe maybe he's brother maybe just didn't give him any money or something <laughs> yeah. sort of I went he's oh, like yeah. you fucked me over man yeah you know like a lot I'm of rapping. brothers would be like give us a bit of money there you know <laughs> <laughs> You're a nice pay, eh? Yeah, you got to win the lottery or something, you didn't give him that. Yeah, like, so this guy was trained as a paratrooper in the army, and uh, he would have been about 45 at the time of the hijacking. Fitted the height, weight, description, smoked, which is like, you know, he smokes, my brother smokes. <laughs> he can yeah. parachute, it must have been him. And, uh, yeah, suspected they had a bourbon as his favourite drink as well, so it was all really lining up for him. Spurious though at the same time. Yeah, a little bit like fairly circumstantial. Yeah, a little bit like mm. jumping to wild conclusions. Like Well there was this lad Skip Porteous who wrote a book about him and it's all real long like you know, long shot okay. coincidences. So also okay, so he had an apparent secret as well that he never elaborated and his family. After his death found a collection of gold and two hundred thousand dollars in banknotes. And he had a folder of clippings of the news reports. The news reports. Of the so obviously, he, if it was him, yeah. like he's on his deathbed, dying of cancer, and he goes to his brother, "Come here, I have something to tell you." Yeah, I actually can't tell you. Well, and then he dies, and oh, the brother's no, like, "What so, the fuck?" So it was after after he died, his brother said, "I think it might be him." Yeah. Right, sorry. I thought it was like you know. No, he didn't random. I think it's my brother. He didn't random out straight <laughs> He's away. In the yeah. Next room. So he, he he was on his deathbed, dying of cancer, and he goes, uh, "Yeah," to my brother. Yeah, I uh, I did something. I can't tell you what it is, but just like if some shit goes down. And then after he died, they found a lot of gold and a, and a lot of money. <sighs> but did the money obviously didn't match up or anything didn't like match that? Up. So this so, is a different right. So he could, he could have been involved in a completely different robbery or a completely <laughs> different. Well, the gold was from investments and stuff that he bought, and uh, he he was investing in gold as a a kind of a stock commodity. Right. And then the two hundred grand that they found was from a load of land that he had sold uh, in the 90s. Okay, so it's all legit then. It was eventually, but Skip yeah. Porteous was still right. able to uh, but they still put a make bit a of, few coin on D.B. Cooper's name, you know? Yeah, and they still obviously waste a lot of time Yeah, finding all this out. And it was a dead man, and dead man tell no tales. Yes, exactly. You yeah. write what you like. There is more though, right? There's loads, yeah. There's uh, Richard Lepsey, is that how you say it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He could be the man we're looking for. Uh, yeah, he's uh, a grocery store manager. So this is an interesting one, right? Because he's not... Um, military. Yeah, not military, which is a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Which is just like, my boss at the grocery store is annoying me. <laughs> I think I'm going to just <laughs> rat him out. Tell people. Because that's what the um, FBI were worried about, people wasting their time. So they only put out a little bit of information. Eventually, when they went public, I think for a lot of murders and kidnappings and stuff, they do that. They're like, I d- that 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 almost baffles me as much as the actual crimes themselves. As people going fabricating all this shit and going, yeah. do you know, I think you know, and I think I believe these people actually believe the, their own lies. You yeah. know what I mean? I believe they're so. That also happened in the John Bonet Ramsey case, right? Where like the parents leaked the stuff about John Bonet and were like, oh yeah, she had certain type of clothes and this. A certain type of injury or whatever like right. it's a thing only the lad who did it to her would know okay but they leaked that they said in the press conference and then everyone was ringing up going it was me and I did that thing to her and oh everyone was god, like oh my god right. it might be him on a way did they fucking say that, that, that? oh Fuck god sake. yeah 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 and ruined it so yeah. it is a clever kind of way to to weed out 
it's a fakeness but who fucking rings up with false I, information I don't know that, that's what I'm saying or what kind yeah. of buzz what kind of trill do they get as much of a trill as someone that's actually pulled something off like this something incredible they, uh, or yeah, is they it attribute like, their own success is that, to it is, like, that, is that their thing so, so little, I'm helping the guy get away with yeah, it but, yeah, yeah actually yeah because you're deflecting a lot like Maybe, and, yeah. and is he involved in that even to a certain extent you know it's like you know when the, the guards turn up on the estate and if there's like a window broke and everyone's like, I didn't see nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Where, what's your name? Mickey Mouse. Where are you from? One, two, three, fake street. Yeah. Yeah, they do that shit. So with, with, with Robert Richard Lepsey, uh, at the grocery manager paratrooper. Mysteriously disappeared um, from Michigan on in, in the 29th of October 1969 after his car was found abandoned um, the Capitol hmm. Airport, uh, which was kind of interesting enough, really. But I mean, people go missing all the time, though. Yeah, but this seemed like Is like the car was abandoned, the doors were open, the key was in it. Like, did he? It wasn't like the worst case of suicide I've ever seen. It wasn't like yeah. Richie James Edwards from the Manic Street Preachers, where like his shoes were taken off and left on the side of like a, a bridge over a very uh, oh, okay. t- turbulent river. Right. So right. his car was open. Yeah, his shoes yeah. were on the bridge and basically everyone was to imagine yeah he jumped right, into the right. river okay. and was washed out to sea right, never to be seen again but this was like in uh, an airport car park so surely like he just went fuck it and drove to the airport yeah. abandoned the car went in paid 20 euros as you do in the 60s 20 euros or 20 dollars flight you yeah. get a flight there's no fucking records no passport you just get on the flight like yeah. a bus and so so you think on it I mean but that was so much easier to leave your family back then but yeah oh god yeah but that that's a yeah I mean that that behaviour of just leaving the car blatantly there abandoned it Odd. just doesn't line up with how calculated everything else was exactly and it's like nah maybe he was just him. having a moment and then he got his shit together and yeah. and like really planned it out yeah there must have been a time though when they were looking for this guy that Everybody probably suspected somebody of being DB Cooper. Yeah, there was, was all the weirdos so in town who crazy. were crazy. It was yeah. so yeah. But, but um, with Lepsy though, his daughter was like IDing him, right? Yeah, yeah. Samples of Lepsy's DNA have been submitted and to the FBI, but are, they're now uh, there was no matches basically. So yeah. it was like. But she yeah. rang the FBI and went. She was that lad, that lad looks like me dad. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. Because I, look, I get told I look like a lot of people all the time. <laughs> yeah. I have a very like? vague face. A lot of famous people I've been told I look like. Uh, Andy from Emmerdale, Luis Suarez, Chris Coleman, who was a manager for... I can see Luis Suarez, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just loads of other people. And then just people at comedy clubs going, you look like me cousin. <laughs> I'm like... You, if you, so if somebody like you, yeah, do you know, look like, like you committed a crime, you'd yeah, be Yeah, I'd be, yeah. And I, do you know what? It wouldn't help the fact that I have crazy scribblings all over my house. They'd be like, this guy's a nut job. But it's actually just me workshopping a bit. <laughs> writing a not, few jokes. Yeah, just writing a few jokes. And they're like, <laughs> we found these, these really strange drawings. And when I got bored of writing and I drew something or whatever. Um, <laughs> to be all laminated in the Smithsonian and stuff. Like exactly. The greatest yeah. murderer ever. Yeah, it's weird though that this little girl who wants to have her daddy back so much, she was 13 and she went, he, he looks like my dad, and then sent a lot of pictures. Now, the cunt looks identical to the drawing. Right, I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. And the uniform that they had in the grocery store, not the uniform, but like the thing he wore to work. Was similar. Was to a the... black suit with a pencil tie oh, and loafers. Right, okay, okay, well then she's not that crazy. Yeah. Matched the description, looked the same, height, age, everything matched. Yeah. But then when they sent the DNA over... So, so this guy is gone now, is he? 
yeah, he's uh, he's he's vanished, never found again. But yeah, yeah, people just go missing, don't they? They've had enough. Yeah, I mean, um, they don't want to be found. I guess they don't want to be found. Yeah, it's very hard to do in Ireland. Yeah, probably. Yeah, have a little bit of a nervous breakdown. You know, just finally snap and go. Yeah, I'm gone. Gone. I'm, I'm moving gone. to Galway. Yeah. Nelson, and then, and then Nelson's you, dad going then, out for milking or whatever yeah. cigarettes and never coming back again but you can do that in America and go to a different city yeah, in a different yeah. state and never be found but in Ireland you're like four doors away from a cousin yeah, yeah it's too small here Very to get away to with that away. stuff yeah D.B. Cooper would have been found in a day I'd say yeah yeah, they are. I'd seen him. Forty people are out smoking yeah. fags in the porch, like looking at him coming down out of yeah. the plane. Like, ah, there he is. <laughs> looks like you have a bag of money on him. <laughs> but there, there's more. There's more sus- suspected witnesses or suspected uh, perpetrators, right? Yeah, William Gossett. Uh, he was a Marine Corporal and uh, Army Air Forces, and was a was a Korea and Vietnam War a veteran. Yeah. yeah. So after retiring in '73. He um, he worked as a, an instructor and was obsessed with the Cooper hijacking. Talked about it to everyone. Everybody. But that's like, again, I don't think Cooper, if it was the real guy, he would have been banging on about the case to people. Maybe he would have been. So he confessed to his crime and his son, to his sons on his deathbed. Was it? It was just before he died. He's, okay. He was showing them a key. Right. And going like, this is the your future, blah, blah, blah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's kind of creepy. So he said, here's the key to a safety deposit box, and this is my treasure. And uh, the sons later said that, yeah, he was a mad compulsive gambler. Compulsive gambler, yeah, yeah, yeah. Showed them wads of cash at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, um, look what I got, which is, a, which is a weird thing to do to any yeah. child at Christmas. It's a bit of money, lads. <laughs> Have a look at that. This Christmas card's real fast. Yeah, and you know, you just get down, to, you're looking for your, you're going down for your presents, but your dad's just rolling around in loads of fivers. <laughs> it's not... Um, <laughs> Uh, so he changed his name to Wolfgang. Yeah. And they, well, there you go. This Wolfgang lad, I'm not sure, became a Catholic priest and started a radio show about the paranormal. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he didn't do it. I don't think he did. I, I think, think Wolfgang. He, he snapped in Christmas 71. I think so, yeah. I think yeah. Wolfgang um, probably wished he did it and for some reason was enamoured by this D.B. Cooper or whatever his real name was. Because it sounds like free money. Like, if you're on a plane and you're, t- like, you know, you get 200 grand, that that is the dream of, you know, the compulsive gambler or, you know, the 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 lazy millionaire. What is it, yeah. what is it called? I mean, a, it's a, a, par- a temporarily embarrassed millionaire. Uh, yeah. You find a bag of money. That's yeah. the dream. Do you know? And he fucking, like, said to his sons, I have a load of money. He had wads of cash in Christmas. And uh, they went... He chose them a key. They went the next time they saw him, he had zero monies. Because whatever wad of cash he got, might not have been 200 grand. Yeah. But he fucked it all away in Las Vegas. Yeah. And it's also what age were they when when he showed him this money? Because when you're a kid of a certain age, (laughs) someone could show you $45 single dollar bills and go, whoa, whoa. And you'd be like, my my dad's so rich. So many monies. He's got loads of monies. I've got kids like like to do their communion. It's like, I got 195 euro. Oh yeah. These days bigger though. Is it? Yeah. A thousand and upwards man for a communion. Yeah. Yeah. Big money. Big money. She could buy a car with that. Oh no. People would be embarrassed now to throw less than 50 into a card for the little shits, you know? Woof. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is not enough yeah, anymore. Yeah, the Holy Spirit isn't enough anymore, no. I don't think I made about three or four hundred for mine, looking yeah, back. Yeah, it, it was about two or three, I think. Yeah, give a bit back to your mum and dad, then they take commission. We got for the meal. 50% each. Just for the meal, that's You're for the drinks. nothing. <laughs> yeah, and then you get a nice pair of shoes. Yeah, you get a nice pair of shoes. And you grow out of in yeah. about eight months. Yeah. 
That's communion, folks. We That's get the communion. Holy Spirit and shoes we grow out of very quickly. Um, uh, one particular uh, suspect I thought was very interesting was Jack Kofelt. Right. Who was a con man and a government oh, informant. God, yes, yeah. And he started going around and telling everybody that he was D.B. Cooper, which is something I don't think D.B. Cooper no, would do. I don't do. think he would do it. I mean, being as meticulous and all as he was, through a former cellmate of his in prison, he was in prison for being a con man, right. this guy called James Brown, he tried to sell his story to a Hollywood production company, and he looks slightly like the picture of D.B. Cooper, but his age doesn't match. He was in his mid-50s at the time of the hijacking, and in the 70s, he was telling everybody, I'm fucking D.B. Cooper. And everyone was like, he's one of these bullshit artists. You yeah, know? yeah. He was, he, but he was in Portland on the day of the hijacking, Right. And he was registered into a hospital at the very same time with leg injuries that would only be would only be possible. Really? From a, a skydiving accident. Skydiving incident. Really? Yeah. So he couldn't so, confer, you know the way we were saying about these like yeah. John Benet Ramsey like special case uh, yeah, information. Yeah. He couldn't confirm those because the, the FBI had some shit and was like, right, well, what was the tie pin made out of? Or, yeah, you yeah. know, like, how, what did you do with the parachutes that were left on the plane? Or, you know, these only those guys would know that weren't public knowledge. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't yeah. answer those questions. Okay, So right. they dismissed them. Right. But he was still in Portland and could be confirmed there and had leg injuries sustained by so a So, how was that not accident. picked up at the time, though? If there was a hospital near where, near enough to where he landed. Well, that's where they, that's probably where they got him then, you know. Okay, right, right. But he was going around telling people he did it anyway, though. After he got away from the FBI, I Right, right, right. I wouldn't know the timeline of all those things, right. but as far as I found out, he was still going around going, I'm the fucking greatest. Yeah. But wouldn't you be if you're an ex con and you were like one of those guys that that was your identity, you were a great criminal? Yeah, and you'd be legendary if you were D.B. Cooper. Legend criminal. Yeah. Do you even do a fucking festival, man? Yeah. They do a festival every year. Yeah. In uh, Wyoming. Right. How do you mean do a festival? No, I don't know. do a festival. Or it's Washington. Washington. All right. Uh, they have a D.B. Cooper festival really? in Washington every year. Yeah. What's the, what do they do with it? They're just like everyone dresses in those mirror sunglasses Amazing. and uh, reservoir dog suits. And they go around and they have like fake money and they throw it up and have a load of drinks. Oh, cool. On the same night that he jumped out of the plane. Oh, that sounds class. So on my adventure around America, uh, TCG TV is great. the project name. Oh, I'm going to go to that. Uh, yeah. I love to imagine that D.B. Cooper himself goes to that festival. Yeah, or has been to that festival. Called Dan Cooper. No who go to way. it from Amazing. around the country and go like, hey, I'm Dan Cooper. No, I'm Dan Cooper. And they oh, pull out their right. IDs and all. And they're all That's like, Look, brilliant. Isn't that hilarious? That's class. So I hope to go there. TCG TV, uh, by the way, is a project that I'm, I'm doing at the, at the moment uh, where I'm making 12 documentaries across the U.S., uh, from November 2018 until about May or June 2019. We start off in Oregon, work our way down the West Coast, across the Southern States, up the East Coast, back to the Midwest. And uh, we are making 12 documentaries, 12 different topics, including uh, racism, gun control, religion, sexuality, uh, cryptozoology, uh, apocalyptic uh, preppers, um, politics, uh, economics, and a few more. So if you want to support that, hit the gofundme.com slash TCGTV. All the details are there. And, uh, you know, if you like the show and you're enjoying these episodes and you haven't given out the Patreon or you just want to help a brother out, the GoFundMe is for $75,000. We're over 25000 at the moment, so we're well on the way and we have like four months left to go. I'm fully confident that you guys are going to help me out. So if you've liked the show, there's over 400 hours of stuff here. You know, get a fiver, roll it up into a ball and throw it up the internet at me. It's like buying me a beer or a coffee. And it'll help me make a TV show that will, fingers crossed, be on Netflix or Hulu or someplace like that. 
and we'll be able to make the show an awful lot bigger, an awful lot better. And I get to go to the places where the conspiracies actually happen and meet the people, meet these experts, meet other podcasters and, uh, you know, swing for the swing for the fences. So it's gofundme.com slash TCGTV. Sounds like a good plan, Chris, right? Absolutely. I don't think anyone's doing that shit. No. They're all relying on TV production companies. And to be honest, with how difficult the production has been, I don't wonder why people don't do it on their own. Yeah, really? Yeah, it's tough. But to, to yeah. undertake something like that and take nine months out of your life. and Yeah, but at least you get to put your own spin on it and you don't have anybody in your ear and say, you can't do this, you can't do that. I can say whatever the fuck I want. Unfiltered content. Yeah, and... Um, There'll be a daily vlog as well. So as we go along, yeah. uh, I'll be telling you my adventures during the day. And if you're a GoFundMe or a Patreon supporter, you get to see all that stuff first. Cool. Uh, so you get to see the kind of adventures. Like, I want to go and fucking hunt Sasquatch or go to the preppers in Montana and stay like a night or two in one of these uh, underground steel Amazing. bunker jobs I'd and see that. if we can eat some prepper food. Or uh, I want to go talk to the bankers on Wall Street and find out what the fuck is going on. To Bitcoin Class. miners with, yeah. you, know, chi- you know, these Chinese Bitcoin miners that have factories with like 5,000 computers and yeah, they're all mining yeah. Bitcoin. Or to go to the lads in Colorado who are uh, have big massive marijuana farms and they're making like CBD and THC and uh, the edibles and all this stuff. Go to like a marijuana bakery and nice. find out how you make it, what the family business is all about. Yeah. And then go to the patients that it's affecting like small people that have like, you know, epilepsy and they're taking yeah. CBD and it stops their fucking fits like straight away. You know? Yeah, yeah. Why that's not being preferred and instead they're putting them on pharmaceutical drugs mm. they're the kind of things I want to find out first hand go out and have a look so TCGTV uh, is the name of the thing GoFundMe slash GoFundMe.com slash TCGTV for all the details uh, and everything's on that timelines and how you can uh, how you can uh, uh, you know support the support the project I would appreciate it if you listen to the show uh, it's not like I'm holding the show to ransom the show will always be free but just you know show your appreciation over here so for, mm-hmm. for the rest of D.B. Cooper, these, uh, these hijackings, as we mm-hmm. said before, weren't uncommon. No. There were so many hijackings at this time. Uh, the D.B. Cooper case uh, uh, was one of the money hijackings, and these all started at the start of the 70s. But between 1968 and 1972, Chris, believe it or not, there was more than 130 American airplanes hijacked in the Holy. sky. 130? 100 and more than 130. Wow. Imagine there was even two planes hijacked <laughs> from the same company on the same day oh between 1968 God. and 1972. That's incredible. And that's the shit you hear about the 60s. You're all like, yeah, Summer of Love and San Francisco and all this. Robin planes, man. You never hear about 130 cunts. That's, yeah. that's one a week. Yeah, that's crazy. Every week there was a plane hijacked in yeah. 90, between 1968 and 1972. That's bananas. And the motive was a lot of the time just to get out of America? It was like, take me to Cuba, baby. Was his, was his a unique case then of them, him actually trying to make money? Yes, he was one of the first right. that, that put it up for ransom. The rest of the guys were like, fly me somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, could you not just get a plane to Cuba? Yeah, I know. That's the thing, what you know. Is the, what is the... Yeah, can you not... If just you can get, get on this plane, why can't you just get on to... You're like, a very annoying passenger. <laughs> yeah. You got on the wrong plane, man. Yeah. I presume it's because, like, Cuba was, um, like, a, 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 a military no-no. Okay, right. Maybe. Right, right. They were in the middle of the Cold War. Uh, there was, like, some some uh, incursions there in the early 60s. We talked yeah. about, like, Bay of Pigs and stuff like that. There was still military action going on, the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. So there were, like, a military power 
instead of or like in the stead of Russian communism right on the doorstep yeah so maybe they weren't wanting American like commercial planes to fly in there and to be honest it's still like reasonably difficult to get in there to Cuba yes, today yeah, yeah 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 you're all locked down you stay on compounds mobile phones don't work in a lot of right, areas right I guess they're trying to hide stuff out since yeah. Castro died it's become a little bit more yeah lax but yeah but like even then I mean if, if it's difficult enough to get in there anyway hijacking a plane and trying to get in there yeah. like invading Rough. their airspace and mm. just like is that but not they'd know like unbel- these guys knew they were like okay. tell them we're coming like okay right you know? right so it was all set up yeah. right okay I, I would I like for for a lot of them I would imagine these guys were like uh, uh, guys who had escaped from jail and they managed to get on a plane and they were like take me to Cuba or they were uh, uh, pro-Castro communists who were like mm. oh you know I want to take all these people and we keep them hostage and stuff there was like loads of different variants of it mm. but basically it was just like anti-American real yeah. anti-American sentiment and uh, d- these guys D.B. D. Cooper and, and the fellas that came after him like D.B. Cooper was the first lad to hijack it for money so airlines that were managing internal US flights just refused to have metal detectors in the right. airports for fear that it would dissuade people from flying with them yeah. on internal flights inside the states it's crazy now it's like people I mean, are doing the opposite nowadays you couldn't imagine do you know what I mean yeah. they're, they're doing like proc- proctology exams before you get on the that's plane that's crazy like. man yeah yeah like yeah just go through the metal detector and then, and then like bend over lift thing. your sack and yeah. do the wands do thing the, and do the uh, you know that one that oh yeah the, the, the with the puffs yeah 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 I mean they have the bomb detecting equipment and all this stuff bomb detecting equipment actually is interesting because uh, uh, my 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 son's buggy uh, tested positive for explosives oh shit because of the coating on the metal I don't know what it was I've but, heard of that before yeah um uh, it's in my new show actually but I'm like are we come on like you yeah. really think we're going to blow our baby up a lovely little Irish couple on the way back to Ireland you know check his nappy it's yeah. not full of uh, Semtex or no yeah well they do they check everything anyway they squeeze, yeah. squeeze the baby squeeze him and check the nappy and uh, yeah it was funny because like my wife read every review to be read about that buggy and nowhere and still. did it say yeah it just explodes you know <laughs> Uh, or maybe it's like one of those buggies that if you get it above a certain speed like you know it'll, it'll blow the up the sparks start going they really want you to buy the running version of the buggy they're like they can't stress enough why you shouldn't run the hydraulics no yeah is it like a, is it like a, a DeLorean type buggy once oh. it goes over 88 kilometers an hour like the wheels start sparking and, and we go back in time yeah and then there's no baby in the buggy yeah that's what we all want <laughs> yeah yeah. That's, what, that's the kind of buggy they want that's what it's for it's like a, it's like a really really late term abortion yes that's yeah. the next referendum <laughs> super yeah. super speed time travel DeLorean buggy I do think that um, there are some things like that will test positive if you have you know like a, a poppy seed bun okay you can test positive for narcotics in the narcotics really? tests yeah why is that because it has whatever you have for the for the so heroin one of the ingri- oh right okay of course the poppy plant yeah so if you're if you have that in your bag right and then they're doing the little swabbing and it comes out on the little yoke as blue they're all like oh you have drugs and then they'll search you for drugs and you don't you have it you just have a bun yeah, I just had a, a little bun. bit of cheese and ham. Had a, had a bagel. Sorry, lads. Yeah, but Sorry that happens. Like, there's, there, uh, I guess it was probably in the paint, or there was some probably. chemical spray, like yeah. a, like a, a fucking, uh, um, a water retardant yeah. spray or something. On yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kicked it off. Well, Imagine. it wasn't. Yeah, wasn't the baby anyway. It wasn't the baby. Imagine being pulled over in the airport and your baby's like, Dad, I've got something to tell you. Oh, God. I'm, a, I'm in the raw. I'm in the raw, yeah, I'm a little terrorist. <laughs> well, there were so many instances of hijacking for American planes being taken to Cuba that mm. this there was actually a, like a crazy proposition by the American government to build a copy of Havana Airport in South Florida 
so that just when they tricked them into getting there so that when the fucking hijackers were playing the play they were like oh yeah oh man they look like Havana okay you can land here man cool no problem and then they land in oh, and it's amazing. like welcome to Florida boys yeah that's so funny can you imagine that shit yeah they look aghastly like Havana I remember like I was a boy <laughs> and then you landed in this fucking the worst racist place ever during the years 1968 and 72 there was about one hijacking per week like I said and Class. the searching of luggage and pat downs and, and all of this stuff didn't didn't even start until 1973 so like the modern version of what we see now in airports yeah. is obviously in a post 9-11 world mm. but there was an awful lot of stuff in schools after Columbine as well so they yes. were doing metal detectors in schools and the pat downs and the luggage inspections all came from yeah. DB Cooper and yeah. the copycat, yeah, copycat, uh, copycat afterwards, bombers yeah. afterwards. Yeah. So like, it's only relatively recently that people have been put under such security. Yeah, it's crazy how it takes something to happen. Yeah. They're like, no, no, no. And then something happens and they're like, okay, now we need to do something. Yeah, like the shoe bomber. And yeah. then we all have to fucking take off no, our shoes. take our shoes off, yeah. Or like, we're not allowed. There was one lad, he mixed, he had like some kind of weird... Yeah, diehard three chemical in one bottle, and then a shampoo thing in the other, and he went into the jacks. Yeah, and he put the two of them together, and he shook them, and then he's like a massively volatile chemical. Yes, that when you if you threw it on the ground like a banger, it'll yeah. blow up the plane. Yeah, so now you're not allowed to have over a uh, hundred mils. Yeah, and only a little few in your little bag. And then they have thing restrictions over batteries now because of like the Samsung really? S8. Yeah. Oh, because they well, of course yeah. So you yeah. have lithium batteries. You're only allowed to carry them in your carry on, and they yeah. have to be under a certain uh, milliamp hour. Yeah. I've become so used to that now. It's just it's just the way I, I travel so much. It's restriction I'm, conditioning, man. Yeah, but I'm so good at it. I, I get there and I'm like, I have everything. Boom, boom, boom. And but you I know, still you see You bought people. a bag that's the right size. Yeah. You know you can have a backpack I, I know I can have a weight. backpack. Yeah. I know I can have a, a you know, bag. everything else is in my pockets because into my jacket. I take my jacket off, put that in the tray mm. so there's nothing in there. And I still see people that are baffled by the fact that they can't bring this fire extinguisher sized hairspray <laughs> onto the flame with them but why and you're like are you joking me yeah. you're holding up the whole queue it's the fucking rules yeah look but at the size of that thing we have to pay we have to pay attention to those rules oh you have like, to it's incremental restrictions though yeah, yeah. and it's been over like case by case yeah so first of all it's the shoe lads now it's the liquids yeah. like do you not think that it's a massive scam just to get people to buy stuff in the airport of course yeah of course but then why wouldn't you buy stuff when you just land Somewhere else. I mean, how desperate are you there to, to Both get sides stuff in the guess, airport? Yeah. yeah, people wouldn't like. I mean, are you gonna go find the boots when you land in like Mogadishu or something? Maybe not. Yeah, you, know, Maybe, you want to yeah. have your yeah your L net so you can. Yeah, well, definitely stuff like you know you're not even allowed to bring a bottle of water or anything. Yeah, like it's that. bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've often like chugged a bottle of water at the thing going. Oh I'm yeah. Not trying to the bin. Yeah. Pit seven ninety. So for that many in people doing shop. that. Yeah. So many <laughs> yeah. people doing that. Fuck that. So uh, it, it, these pat downs and all didn't start till seventy three, and then these Cuban hijackers, as they were known, like take me to Cuba. They all happened mostly between nineteen sixty one and nineteen sixty nine, but yeah. the biggest space was between uh, sixty eight and seventy two. And these people were opposed to the American government or there were, you know, counter-protesters and they thought they could have a peaceful life of communism in Cuba under Castro. Uh, some of them were also Cubans they, that wanted to return home and because of, you know, uh, international transport restrictions, mm -hmm. they weren't allowed. And then when a guy called Raffaele Minciello demanded to be brought to Rome in 1969 as a hijacker, right? people realised, oh shit, we don't have to just, like, jack the plane and go to Cuba. We can go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. then... And I swear to God, no one before 1969 was like, oh, bring me to Paris. Bring me yeah, to, yeah. you know, Buenos Aires. 
the next thing everybody started going to all these other mad destinations so there were places like Algeria North Korea Argentina and all of these like uh, ex-cons uh, people who shouldn't really be on planes yeah, yeah. were like escaping escaping the law and going like bring me to North Korea Amazing. and those plans were, planes were landing and then they had to go through all this bureaucratic stuff to be able to yeah. take off again yes. so they were fucking up the pilots they were fucking up the passengers like you could read I was reading there's one website and it has like all, all of them all um, uh, like detailed out what happened how many passengers what country they went to yes bananas I mean, how many I've definitely been tempted to say bring me to Cork you know when I have to <laughs> land in Dublin or Shannon or Belfast and yeah. I'm like oh the commute on the other side and I'm <laughs> fantasising about something going wrong and one of the fuel things to drop out and sorry we need to make an emergency it's very selfish of me we yeah. need to make an emergency landing in Cork sorry guys it's a it's a four and a half hour journey to Cork from Dublin right what is it about not three now not it's three now yeah, yeah, not the even. roads are better the roads are much better right it's like when you're on the bus, you know, home from school. Yeah. And they're dropping you off at the corner and you just don't want to go. And you're like, can you just drop me off at my house? Just that extra yeah, little two yeah. minutes. I never I never got the bus to school. I was very close to my school. Yeah, I was too. But I, I was I, closer to I my classroom than some of my, you know, my kitchen was as close to my school as some of the classrooms were to the, to the you know what I mean? I was, I was closer to my school than anything you could wear, you could be without being in the school. <laughs> Like, you, my teachers could look over at me in my kitchen and go, why aren't you in here? <laughs> like, I couldn't get away with staying at home or anything. I was so close. Mitch and you're just like crawling around on the yeah. floor on the Mitch. Yeah. Making sandwiches and v- eating them on the ground. Very close to school. And, and my mother still insisted on getting me and my brother up at six in the morning because she had a job. Didn't trust us to get up for school in time. So we're up at six every morning, get you know, corn, eating cornflakes at six. And was she telling you the story of how she used to have to walk to school through the snow and bare yeah, feet and all that stuff? Yeah, that's our... That's... I never believed any of that. I thought it was all bull. But I think now I can imagine myself trying to explain to my son that I didn't have the internet. And that seems as big as a stretch as that, you yeah, know. Yeah, shit, imagine. I'm going to have to say to him, oh, I didn't have the internet. I didn't have this. I didn't have... Trying to explain, like, we used to have little plastic boxes yeah. that had magnetic tape that movies used to be on. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Explaining anything to button. him. Did you ever give a kid a, a phone with buttons on it? it freaks him out. What are these for? Yeah, they're like, they have no idea what to do with them. So, like, <laughs> you know, oh, I can now I can now finally believe my parents that maybe they did walk to school without their shoe, without shoes. I don't know that. That's very Angela's ashes. It I does. Think, f- maybe. Yeah, it feels very yeah. famine times. Yeah, I think it's, they're maybe stretching it a little bit. It was the 70s. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't yeah. the fucking. Yeah, I've seen pictures. They look very healthy. Yeah, they were grand. Yeah, always from the knees up, though, so I can never really tell. My, my, my dad was always joking, like, that they couldn't afford shoes. Yeah. So, like, when they'd buy shoes for the older one, we'd get passed they, down they'd all it? be waiting to, to, to right. grow big enough to pass. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. To be all, like, feeding their older brothers and sisters, giving them extra food so they'll grow bigger so they'll oh, be able they to grow get the shoes. Because you know, like, the food goes straight to your feet all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> butter, the logic. Butter, all the cream stuff yeah. straight to your feet. And then he said, uh, yeah, they were so poor that uh, when he was going to school for a function, uh, that he had to paint his feet black and tie his toes together. Oh, and <laughs> but I didn't believe yeah, that. I don't believe that now. Yeah. But he did tell me that years ago, and we're talking about the fifties and sixties now, maybe fifties, that young boys in Ireland actually weren't allowed to wear long pants. Yeah, that they all had to wear short pants. Yeah, I've seen mainly pictures of my dad in short pants for communion and confirmation. But it was like it was like that was the uniform. Like if you wore long pants, 
you know, it wasn't it wasn't allowed under the age of like fourteen. So when you left school at fourteen or thirteen and went and got a job, then you were a man. Then you could wear long That's pants. That's so weird, isn't it? Isn't that weird? That's so weird. All the boys were in shorts. We want all our legs exposed. All through the whole year. Yeah. Even the winter. Yeah, yeah. Weird, I see right? that now a bit though. You've seen even in England and you see school kids going to school with skirts and shorts on. That's freezing. I'm like, yeah. how are they doing this? Yeah. Loads of deep heat. Yeah. Just rubbing it on. And it just doesn't ben seem Gay. to affect them as much kids for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, I think they're smaller. I get less, very cold. Yeah, I'm very cold I'm inside. a cozy. I need to be cozy. I'm fucking roasting. Like, it's in here, man. I'm fucking, I feel like meatloaf after yeah. a two-hour set. <laughs> yeah, we're it's roasting now. Roast yeah, I'm normally a cozy, cozy boy, yeah. So yeah, for, we said that like a, since like from sixty one to sixty eight there was loads of like bring me to Cuba's from sixty eight until seventy two there was a hundred and thirty like massive amount of hijackings and from seventy one from DB Cooper right up until seventy three before they in, uh, like kind of implemented more airport security there was loads of copycat hijackings and different venues other than Cuba so loads of these lads were starting to copy what DB Cooper did to get yeah. a few extra bob get a bit quick. few shillings and you found a few of those Chris yes yeah yeah copycats as well is just a bit of a hack. Criminal, isn't it? Yeah, it's like think of your own thing to do. But when you see something that works, yeah. you're just like, yeah, I just do that. I know the it's grift. lazy. It's lazy, though, isn't it? I love those old grifter things. It's like, oh yeah, well we do uh, the, the the tinker's purse. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's do the. the oh, the, the where's the lady? Is it? Yeah, the, the, cop, the couple's forehead. Yeah, yeah. Like pulling yeah, the the, yeah. the grift names or whatever. You know? Yeah, I've only I think I've been grifted once or twice. That's socially engineered. Yeah, I bought a Nike jacket, bubble jacket that was turned out to be fake. Oh, like very the, fake that we the, looked at it <laughs> the Canadian goose down yeah. was the, the fashion reason yeah no it was very fake did uh, you ever get done by the lads who come into the shop and they give you a 50 and then they go give me back the 50 and they give you a 20 and a 10 okay. and then they say give me back my 20 change from the 50 because I give you that and they just engineer well, 50 that's very baffling yeah yeah and they put the pressure on, the pressure on, the pressure yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. That's happened to me a couple of times but as a young lad. you've never fallen for it? Once or twice when I was very young. Oh, right, Working okay, in the shop at like right. 14 or 15. Right. And then I was like, I'm fucking on to you. Yeah, and you, keep, you just keep up with them then. Yeah. It's, it is a where's the lady, where's the lady, where's the yeah, lady. Where's the lady, where's the lady, where's the lady. Yeah, it gets um, fucked. But so these copycat hijackings, and there was loads of lads who were just yeah. uh, doing a cover version of D.B. Cooper, right? Garrett Brook, Trapnell. Uh, hijacked uh, TWA airliner en route from Las Vegas to New York City in January. He demanded 306,800 cash. Specific amount, Very it? specific. Um, maybe he wants to just make sure they're paying attention, though, you know? <laughs> they need to make all my demands. Yeah. It's um, real super specific. Uh, maybe were, he had a bill to pay. Maybe like a, a very bill. specific. Yeah. Lighting bill got out of hand or something. <laughs> um, the release of Angela Davis and an audience with President Richard Nixon after aircraft landed at John F. Kennedy International Airport. He was shot and wounded by FBI agents then arrested. There you so, go now. There you go. It's not easy, is it? I think, think of Angela- your own thing, Garrett Brook. <laughs> <Trump, look. laughs> Angela Davis did all right in her own. That's like, she that reminds me of... It's just an open spot strolling out on the stage thinking he can do Des Bishop's, uh, you know, Martian material (laughs) and then just dies on his arse. That's what the equivalent of that story is. Garrett Brooks. Uh, Any more? There is, yeah. Richard Charles Lapointe. He's an army veteran. So he was a New England beach bum. What's that mean? He's like, uh, uh, you know, the northeastern, like the, the... not Jersey Shore, but like... Uh, oh, right, like a, a fuckboy, is that, is that yeah, right? Yeah, like he was, no. a, he was hanging around on the New, New England beaches, so you're talking about like, uh, you know, those fancy... A muscle head kind those of... Those fancy like, ones. Uh, I think like, you know, the fancy uh, uh, upstate New York, or not upstate New York, but like New England beaches, you know, these okay. like, I'm going up to the Poconos or something. Right, like, not right. the Poconos, but you know, these... 
know where the fucking uh, Kardashians go on holidays? Okay, yeah, up yeah. Up to the yeah. lakes and right, up to all this right, shit. Right, right, like, right. Bit of a show off. Yeah, yeah. Bit of a show off. So basically, anyway, he boarded um he boarded a flight uh, at McCarran Airport in Las Vegas on January 20th, brandishing what he claimed was a bomb, uh, while a DC-9 was on a taxiway. So he did it before it even took off. He said, I have a bomb. Oh, he blew his load. He was like, I've got a bomb. <laughs> Luckily, he didn't, you know, get in, you know, tell anybody in the airport right yeah. before he got on the plane. Have you packed this bag yourself, sir? Yeah, it's a bomb. Oh, fuck. Oh, bollocks. I'll be I back forgot. tomorrow. So yeah, he demanded fifty thousand. So I mean, that's a bit, yeah, it's a bit more. He didn't have a lot of faith in himself, really. Yeah, he, he demanded it's fifty thousand and two parachutes. He was like, I ah, know DB Cooper was a bit mean, really. Yeah, he was a bit selfish and a helmet. So I'm not sure. He sounded very unconfident. No, his his uh, his confidence to. Uh, I think if I land on my head. And I have a helmet on. I'll be fine. Wait, you know, it's it's more dangerous than a bike. And I always listen to my mammy, so I get a helmet. So after realizing that the passengers and two flight attendants, after releasing, sorry, uh, he ordered the plane on the eastward trajectory toward Denver, um, then bailed out over the treeless plains of northern Orlando. Wow. They tracked him and locator equipped in the parachute. Oh, what an rookie idiot. mistake. Rookie mistake. <laughs> so, and uh, his footprints in the snow and mud apprehended him in a few hours. So they caught him pretty quickly. Because he had a fucking low jack on him. He, he didn't get a chance to spend any of that 50,000. Like tracking him through the snow. Yeah. Like easy peasy, man. It's so easy. That's how you find Will Smith, you know. Yeah, yeah. Through the, the fresh, snow. The fresh prince. <laughs> That's how you do it. Fresh prince. Is there any more? Uh, yeah, yeah. Richard McCoy Jr. So... Probably um, former army uh, hijacked the United Airlines seven two seven one hundred. So is that a different? That's a different plane. It's a now, big isn't one, it? Yeah, big bigger plane. Is that yeah. a big huge yoke? B- a um, bigger, yeah, bigger than. Wow, right. So the DC nine anyway. Um, yeah, so he uh, got the got the flight diverted to San Francisco, supposed to be held in Colorado, and uh, he bailed out over Utah with five hundred thousand of ransom money. So that's not. That's he, not bad now. That's the guy I said that he was caught two days later and they raided his house and they found loads of stuff including one of the unused parachutes and like a quarter of a million of the 500,000 in the wardrobe of so, his house. So, but how how did he get caught then? Because he went home. Okay, right. He just, he just went sound and just went home to his house and well, brought all the money with him and kept well, it in his right. house. It's a, I like, you kind of feel sorry because he got away with it to a point. Yeah, if he hadn't had it in his house when the FBI called in. Clearly survived the jump and everything. But he left DNA. He probably left some shit behind him. Like, keep, keep, like, keep it somewhere. Sausage. Keep it in a friend's house. Keep it. Uh, and then there's another couple as well. Like yeah. uh, Fre- Frederick Hanneman got 303,000. and He, he, he used he, a handgun. He, he, yeah, but how did he get a gun onto the plane? He bailed out over Honduras. Right. Because he thought, I'm going to go home. And then the FBI uh, got him because they put a $25,000 bounty on his head. Wow. And some, some of his friends went, yeah, I'll take that 25000 And they fucking uh, uh, dobbed him out. Wow. They rat him out. Wow. So he landed in with like three hundred grand, which is loads in Honduras. And the lad's like, no, I say, do you give us the money or do we go to the migra? Yeah, you withdraw, yeah. Man. yeah and they fucked cut. him over. Lamped. And then Rob Dolan Hedy as well, another Vietnam vet. Because they were all like... Uh, uh, ex-army dudes who knew how to parachute out of planes yeah same uh, almost uh, like swipe for swipe uh, uh, play for play of DB Cooper 200,000 he four parachutes two that he jumped with 
uh, jumped over the same area, which is 40 kilometers south of Reno. Like it was fucking mm-hmm. play for play, copycat wow. exactly of DB Cooper. And some people say of uh, Hedy that it was... It was him again? It, it could have been him again, yeah, but yeah. it was a, a, a tribute. Right. And an investigation. Ah. This guy was so obsessed with D.B. Cooper. He wanted to see. He wanted to wow. see how he you could to do play it. it out. Play it out and see Amazing. how you could do it. And the bit when he when he left the plane, uh, he he had parked the car near the lake that he that he oh, was jumping wow. into, and he was like, "This is what D.B. Cooper must have done." A, a reconstruction. A reconstruction. <laughs> actual reconstruction. Yeah. Um. I watched the History Channel documentary about this as well, and they did a reconstruction to find out where he could go. Oh, really? And. It went way outside of the 28 mile, 28 square mile. Uh, How do you mean it went way outside? The guy outside. jumped out of a 10,000 10, foot, 151 yeah. mile an hour plane right. with the same type of parachute and was able to do that thing where you, right. you, know, you lift your, you have like a thing on each side. Yeah. And he was able to get way further than okay, right, the 28 right. mile square radius. So it, DB, like the lads that were investigating at the time didn't leave a wide enough oh, berth okay. to search yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he could have been, he could have been miles away. Could have been up a mountain, could have been yeah. doing a thing, you know. So Martin McNally then. Yeah. He was an unemployed service station attendant, used a submachine gun, which is bloody hell, that's hard How to get, get on. I know. Long pair of dungarees. So he's, uh, he's on American Airlines en route to St. Louis and uh, gets it diverted towards Indiana and bailed out with 500,000 ransom. So he got it. Uh, successfully yeah. and he lost the random he lost the ransom money what a clown as he exited the aircraft it all fell out and it rained money all over oh the place oh my he, god he imagine yeah, being on the floor that day imagine like what? I wonder if you're in Indiana that day I wonder did it rain money I'd say it would have yeah I'm, I'm sure they get wet on the way down through the clouds maybe it sounds like enough. he dropped it like right at the yeah. last minute <laughs> what a klutz I mean depending on how it was packaged if it was one big block it could have killed somebody which is an awful debt to get yeah um, Imagine you were in Indiana and you're at your back garden and then just like thump a brick of money amazing. just lands in your back garden. Yeah. Where did that money go? I want to know someone from Indiana who found like half yeah. a million dollars that fell out of the sky. It depends on if it stayed intact on the way down. And uh, yeah, but but he, he was apprehended a few days later anyway. So I wonder maybe they found the money. Maybe the cops just found the money yeah. as well. What a dope. Like if if the they end. knew it went missing, then they probably found it. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- there was a load of this stuff from, from D.B. Cooper. Like, all of those evidences from those guys, because they were caught, Yeah, do you're able to point towards... And I think the more that happened in 72 and 73, the more they were able to point towards the, the style of person or the type yeah. of personality and expertise that you would need to complete that. Because most of these guys who were getting the money, completing mm. the ransom, getting the bomb and jumping out of the plane and then landing yeah. were all Vietnam vets or they were yeah. all, like, pro... Yes, uh, uh, pro maneuvers. Like yeah, they knew yeah. exactly what they were doing. I mean, like imagine, like you know, uh, uh, you're you're a former electrician. Yes. So if you were in some kind of Ocean's Eleven type situation mm-hmm. where the lad is like, okay, we're going to fucking rob the casino in town. Yeah. And like one lad is real good at like counting the cards or, or doing the card stuff, so he he'll get in as a job a month beforehand and do all the stuff. And you're the lad who comes in and you're like cutting the wires. Yeah. Like, you'd know what to do to make that happen. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know what you mean. But you yeah. have a I better know idea. I know than someone that isn't in any way involved. Exactly. Yeah. So these guys are Vietnam vets. They know how to do parachute. It's not like some fucking dude no, no. went and took a few parachuting lessons yeah. and is really into D.B. Cooper. Yeah. Like, it was a guaranteed, proven uh, uh, motive and skill set. Yeah. So this led everybody to point towards definitely it being 
somebody who's who's in the army 100% yeah. 100% yeah so they went through all of these guys looking for all of these uh, 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 suspects and most of those dudes were now extra evidence came to light mere weeks after the original uh, uh, robbery mm-hmm. in the form of some letters that would later come back and identify one of the one of the last suspects that we'll talk about before the end uh, these letters came from DB Cooper uh, four of them uh, right. one letter was sent from Oakdale, California on the 27th of November and it got to the Reno Evening Gazette and it says attention thanks for the hospitality was in a rush D.B. Cooper so nobody knows are these real yeah or are they genuinely from him D.B. Cooper was a massive news uh, uh, story at the time and uh, it was Dan Cooper his middle name began with an A but one of the papers misprinted it as D.B. Cooper and then it just stuck because it sounds cooler than Dan Cooper but like it was one of these, you know, cut out the letters and paste like those old ransom note yeah, jobs. Yeah, yes. And it said like, attention, thanks for the hospitality, was in a rush, D.B. Cooper. It was determined within just two days that the letters, words and phrases came from the, the Friday paper, uh, the Modesto B, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Bill Gossett, who lived in Merced, California for many years prior to 1971, and his first family was eating their Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, that was the night that Cooper had hijacked the, the the plane so it couldn't have been him but all of those things point towards guys who were doing that that sort of thing so yeah. like it was those letters that added extra credence to some guys stories and like gossips took away from his because mm. it's like you definitely couldn't have done that yeah yeah but you can imagine like you're getting this letter in the post you're part of the newspaper you're like this is fucking weird how is this coming in now yeah mere days after like if you were such a slick cunt to do all that stuff would you gloat I don't think so. Doesn't sound like the character of the man. But these letters were popping in. There was another one that was hand-printed and mailed from Vancouver uh, to the Vancouver province's editor's office. And they published a letter on Wednesday, December 1st. Now, it also could be that the newspapers were just looking for extra yeah. extra column inches yeah, yeah. and just going, oh, D.B. Cooper sent us a letter too. Woo! Exactly. Right? Uh, this one said, uh, the composite drawing on page three as suspected by the FBI does not represent the truth. I enjoy the Grey Cup game. I'm leaving Vancouver now. Thanks for your hospitality, D.B. Cooper. Right. So is there copycats of the letters? Is there, I mean, has there ever been a real letter? Everybody seems to be, yeah, trying to get letters. a slice of it because it was such yeah. a mystery. Yeah. Like, why mention the Grey Cup? I presume that's a hockey thing if it's, if it's Canada. Uh, it's their version of the Super Bowl or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the third letter was sent to the Portland Oregonian, uh, but the paper never published a letter or discussed it in their newspaper, but the, the evidence is still there. Uh, the letter said... Um, the, the, the whereabouts are unknown but the, the letter said apparently I'm alive and doing well in hometown PO uh, the system that beats the system D.B. Cooper wow I don't know like held as a hero for for fucking over the airline and insurance companies and all like he's a he's a working class hero who's like Robin Hood yeah, kind of. yeah real Robin Hood vibe but actually, these letters yeah. don't make any like why the fuck would you do that the fourth letter then was the last letter sent to the Reno Eden Gazette and wasn't published but the newspaper mentioned it in their Friday uh, December 3rd edition and it was another cut and paste cut out the letters job it said plan ahead for retirement okay D.B. Cooper Wow, is this like Cheeky. I'm going to do it again, or what, or is it? Or like maybe like it's just like this is I, I I was stuck and I needed the money. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, but all of these papers were printing loads. Like this was the biggest fucking thing, yeah, ever to happen. And plus the fact it was ongoing because the FBI couldn't solve it, so yeah. they all had a hair up their hole. Yes, they must have been feeling serious pressure. 
Can you imagine, like, in yeah. the 70s, you're, you're dealing with, like, Jonestown, uh, the Manson murders, yeah. like, there's some serious shit going on. And, and then, then J.B. The, Cooper. And then this cunt just, like, jumps out of a plane, and he's like, yeah. fuck it, look to Like, they were able to find Sirhan Sirhan, who shot Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. Like, uh, like FBI were infallible, and then yeah. at this point, they were like, yeah. some James Bond cunt jumps out of a, out of a plane. Uh, I kind of, I hope he's, I hope he escaped, I hope he survived. Well, let's um, see. Did he, did he survive? There's one new suspect... Uh, and there's a forty-strong FBI task force that are trying to wow. they're trying to get this guy, and they cracked the secret code hidden within these letters uh, that are from D.B. Cooper, and he's known as Robert Rackstraw. Okay, you heard of this yes, name? Yes, yes, yes. So this is the new thing. He's a seventy-four-year-old Vietnam vet from San Diego. Now we're recording this in July of two thousand and eighteen. If you're listening to this in the future, I'm sure there's fucking two dozen new loads of the guys. Absolutely, because yeah. there was from the last four years there's been loads of new evidence and it's coming out all the time and I think until it's fully solved which it never will be mm-hmm. there'll always be stuff coming out same as Madeleine McCann or something, John Benet yes, Ramsey or yeah. something yeah, there's always some shit to stop yeah it creeps up every now and again yeah so the letters in question sent by D.B. Cooper uh, all were released from a Freedom of Information Act request and they have been released to the public and the codes are broken by online sleuths. Wow. So the Freedom of Information Act seems to be, yeah, pretty, I guess, useful for these cold cases. Like, the, yeah. you heard of the JFK docs were released quite recently. Mm, yeah. There were sealed JFK documents from, okay, from right. like, 50 right. years old. So you say the release just made public, is it? Yeah, they were right. just they were just released for through a Freedom of Information Act request, which may take a long time, but they, they, they got this stuff out. And uh, Rackstraw, at the time... Mm-hmm. was identified as a potential suspect but was cleared uh, and strongly denies the allegations uh, from, from a 1978 investigation which is like seven years after the fact. So this documentary maker Thomas J. Colbert thinks that the FBI refused to pursue Rackstraw in the 70s because they didn't have enough concrete evidence. Okay. As with any of these guys it's all circumstantial uh, but Rackstraw was arrested in Iran in 1978 and deported back to face charges but while released on bail he faked his own death by calling in a fake Mayday call. Oh, my God. While he was in a private plane telling controllers he was crashing uh, in this rented private plane in Monterey Bay. I guess before that, he was he was uh, charged with a minor uh, case of forging pilot's documents. But wow. he still managed to get this rented plane. Like, this guy was a shyster. He was right. all around the world. Yeah. He had inexplicable amounts of money. And he was uh, an ex-Vietnam vet as well. And in 2016, a History Channel documentary uh, named him as the main suspect in the case. And the FBI were compelled to release these files after this Freedom of Information acting. And the suit against him alleges that the FBI suspended active investigation of Cooper's case in order to undermine the theory that Rackstraw is actually D.B. Cooper. So as to, and this is a quote, so as to prevent embarrassment for the Bureau's failure to develop evidence sufficient to prosecute him for the crime. In the 70s. In the 70s. Yeah. But, you know. So they, they knew it was him. Yeah. But they let him go because they hadn't got the evidence yeah. and they couldn't get it. And he was like. <laughs> yeah. So he's even cooler than. Yeah, I mean, like you have them twice. Yeah, but also all these kind of red herrings that we're getting were kind of not helping either. And all these, like you know, uh, lads saying it was them or lads saying it was me. My yeah. dad looks like him, and all this stuff really. It's like the lads on the estate, and where you're going, like, hey, come in here, hide in here, or whatever, when the guards yeah. are running out or something. Yeah. Like, you hide in someone's garden, and they're like, Shh. yeah, do you know? That's crazy. For each other. So what do you reckon it was him then? I think he's. Pro- it's probably the it's strongest, most likely the strongest lead. Yeah. yeah. Well. One little wrench in the in the machine for that is 
that they showed the staff pictures of Rackstraw from the time that he was supposed to have oh, been D.B. Cooper Robin and they didn't identify him positively as the Cooper from the plane right because the guy in the plane was in his 40s-ish and Rackstraw was in his Would 40s his, and same, right. same like all the things matched height weight the whole really? thing but he just didn't look like him this didn't look like him mm. okay but he was wearing makeup apparently or something that's the thing he what, prob- may yeah. have been wearing like prosthetics he may yeah. have been he was wearing big sunglasses yeah I like to think that there was nobody he wasn't there at all you know it was an airline job. You said this before. We it was an airline job. Yeah. Um, I started thinking about it because uh, no one ever saw him leave the plane. Back then, you could just buy a ticket, get on a plane. I think it was the, it was the, it was the airline staff and as well because hijackings were so prevalent. They were like, "What do we make a hijacking? We're sick of being diverted to Cuba. We need to get paid some money." Yeah. So they're like, "We'll only have to let's go as far as we know." It's like the pilot, the co-pilot, the two the stewardesses, like you know, and Ali and Premier Ali, um, all involved in it. We'll buy a ticket, you know. Um, when the flight takes off, the co-pilot will take that seat and they'll all play they'll play roles, like, you know what I mean? Nobody except the people on the plane knew, saw D.B. Cooper because the, the, yeah. uh, the windows were all pulled down when the, when the plane was parked on the tarmac. Exactly. So Nobody we, actually saw him. No one actually saw him and they gave a description and apparently he was wearing makeup, so maybe when all the demands were met and they went back up in the air, they were all like, right, lads, let's get this sorted out, like, you know? And uh, we'll, we'll open the back doors here. Their, we'll open the back doors. They got their little trolley dollies and filled them up with money, like you know, and parachutes and stuff like that. And then finally landed, and they're very shaken, and they're going, "Oh Jesus, that was awful." I just go gone, empty this. He's gone now anyway. Can we just <laughs> can we just go home? We've had a long day, and then that's just the end of a movie, isn't it? They're walking out with the money and everything like. And they're looking at each other knowingly. Yeah, you can imagine that. But it's cooler though. I think. Yeah, that's a great movie. That's a good movie. You yeah. should fucking write that movie. We'll write that DB Cooper movie. Or if anyone yeah. out there wants to help us, uh, uh, we can write. We it. can maybe write it. Where the fucking plane stuff? Do, do, fake DB Cooper. They're DB Cooper, man. They're, like the the ticket, it all reveals itself at the end. Do you, you know, know what, man? That seems like one of the most plausible explanations. Like because they can't find anything apart from of Richard Rackstraw they can't find anything and, then, and the planes behind them never saw the pilot leave the plane that's because he was back in his little co-pilot suit and yeah. he was like taking his makeup off and putting the money Mission into his little, job. his money into a little trolley dolly and, and they were all concocting the story and that's how they remain so calm and everything yeah it seems very plausible like equally plausible is that the FBI were so out, outrageously embarrassed yeah. that they couldn't get enough to convict Richard Rackstraw even after extraditing That's him out of Iran. That's very plausible too. That is very plausible when you look at um, stuff like the West Memphis Tree or yeah. making a murderer or like any of these cases that end up with a guy who's been falsely imprisoned yeah. and in order for them to avoid culpability or have to pay out some kind of civil suit uh, they make they say look we'll let you leave if you you know uh, agree to be guilty to this crime and we yeah. let you off with time served and it's called the Alfred plea okay where right. you go like yeah I did do it and they're like okay and then you're a criminal forever right 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 do you know th- that's the legal system shoring up the the, the drains of their own embarrassment yeah, they're going yeah. like okay we can't afford to be embarrassed or we can't afford to be liable so you say you're fucking guilty or you're here forever yeah yeah and they tried to do it to Khalif Browder. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't know. I don't know what the, that is. The Khalif Browder story, it's called Time. Okay. And uh, he was a young lad wrongly arrested, a young black lad wrongly arrested. He served three years in jail, got the shit kicked out of him and all uh, for a crime that he didn't commit. Wow. And they said, if you're guilty, we'll let, if you say you're guilty, we'll let you go. And he said, no, and I'm not, not. And they appealed, 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 and he got out. 
And then because he got out, because the legal system was so embarrassed, uh, he was harassed by cops. Oh no! For the few years that after the few years after yeah, he got yeah. out of jail, so much so that he was basically like forced into suicide. Oh my god! He killed himself just to get away from the pressure Jesus. of it. Jesus! Crazy story, but like, yeah. if the legal system are willing to do that, yeah, surely they'll bury some shit about Richard Rackstraw and make up DB Cooper as this ineffable grand yeah. thief. Yeah, because it's almost like yeah, like you said, he's just uh, he's a legend now. Legend. And There's a fucking festival a around festival, the corner. Festival, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mad. There are some other like very famous uh, uh, plane hijackings. Mm. The uh, the El Al flight four two six of Israel hijacked by the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine on twenty third of June nineteen sixty eight. They basically wanted to re- negotiate the release of a load of Arab terrorists, and uh, it took forty days to release them. Lufthansa flight one eighty one. Uh, the Palestinians uh, hijacked again. The same dudes hijacked a, a plane mid air in nineteen seventy seven with eighty six passengers aboard. Um, and they called themselves the Command Martyr Halame, and oh, they were yeah. a splinter group of the it's a bit of a mouthful. The, yeah, it's all the <laughs> it's all the halal uh, halal language. They ended up uh, they were a splinter group of the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, and they ditched in Mogadishu, and they were killed by German special forces there. Very very famous like hijacking uh, Pan Am Flight seventy three, which was departing from Frankfurt to Karachi. Uh, these guys, the, the crew managed to escape out of a hatch in the front and they were, they had to fly the plane themselves. They landed in the dark in Pakistan and special forces came on and killed 20 of the passengers in the dark because they couldn't see them. Oh no. <laughs> and uh, eventually got the terrorists, but 20 passengers too. Malaysia Airlines, uh, Airlines Flight 653 was hijacked by an unidentified hijacker and crashed into the ground, uh, killing everybody. Um, I mean, nobody's found, they couldn't ID the guy. But uh, they think that it was part of the Japanese Red Army because Marcio Garcia, the Cuban ambassador to Japan, was on board and they were trying to get rid of him. Okay. Some may say. Right. Um, one of the most deadly after 9-11, of course, was the Ethiopian Flight 961, which was attacked by three fairly disorganized Ethiopians looking for asylum in Australia. And they were running out of fuel and they were forced to land in the sea. And there's a video of that where people on the beach really? were videoing the plane coming down and it was vroom, vroom, oh, like, and it smashed up in bits. 122 of the 172 passengers killed uh, bananas. And then one of the ones that you can actually go and watch in movie format, which is, it'll have your heart in your throat, this movie. Go on. Uh, Entebbe. Air France Flight 139 was taken by, again, the, pop, the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine on the 27th uh, of October 1976. And they had to ditch in Benghazi instead of the original Paris destination. They demanded the release of prisoners in Israel. But instead, they got 100 Israeli commandos, which uh, enacted what became uh, Operation Entebbe. And they attacked the hijackers, which left 105 passengers saved. But everybody else, including 20 Ugandan soldiers and uh, all of the, the, the crew and hijackers, all killed. And uh, if you watch the movie Entebbe starring Rosamund Pike, and Daniel Brühl, you get to see that. Wow. Very tense situation played out. Like, crazy amount yeah, of yeah. plane hijackings. And you wouldn't really blame the airports for being as secure no, as they are. Because no. it's like oh, a it's flying silver tube full of, yeah. full of bodies. I mean, I find flying stressful when everything goes okay. Yeah. Never mind. The landing is the most... I take yeah. it off as grand. I get a yeah. bit of like... And I get a little bit of... Uh, when you're at a certain... When you take off... And you're still like that. I always yeah. get a little 
engines are going to stop now and then we're going to just go back is it going to flatten out yeah it's just going to yeah I get that like, I get like that in a Prius oh really when he takes off real quick <laughs> I get like that <sighs> like that yeah, you know you're yeah. going over a hill kind of yeah. butterflies in your stomach so what we do Chris on uh, those conspiracy guys we ask people to get off the fence on the true crime it's quite hard yes to get off the fence I guess with this case especially and especially with this case yeah so I mean um, all I'll ask you is what do you think really happened with D.B. Cooper what's your What's the most realistic assertion from you? Um, I think um, I, I like to think he got away with it. I like to think he's uh, you know I, I like to think it's um, what's his name the most what's the suspect Rackstraw. Yeah, I think it might be him. The most logical part of my brain is thinking that like you know everything matches. Everything matches. There was never anything found. Like you said, then if they did simulations and reconstructions, and the guy got way further away, I think it was him, and he got he got way outside that area, and he very landed somewhere dude. unseen. He was obviously very very good at what he was doing. If it wasn't him, this is why he done. I reckon anyway, he got way outside that area, and maybe he even kind of knew in his head that I think they're only going to search this area. I think that's how confident he yeah. probably was and went. And he's a, an expert uh, skydiver. He just got out and went. You know and escaped but like how his money got back and just didn't get into circulation I'm guessing it was laundered somewhere or something or I'd say it went into drugs or went into something probably yeah like something that, yeah. illegal yeah I think the same I think that uh, most likely knowing the way that like law enforcement works they're not going to sit with an embarrassment no they're not no so if they know exactly who it was and how many fucking people did they try and get for it like this is like the Zodiac Killer all over again like yeah. we're going to do a show on the Zodiac Killer in the future and uh, that's another mass murderer who was sending like like decipherable notes but like they weren't able to be deciphered but obviously there was some kind of code to it this guy is sending these notes to the police Mm. and they can't figure out this fucking murder or this spate of like he's a serial killer over a load of years right Uh, allegedly people said it's Ted Cruz I'm not sure but they're they're perpetually embarrassed about that yeah so this D.B. Cooper thing like people are fucking like sticking it to the man, yeah. having a having a beer festival and and dressing up like DB Cooper and yeah. saying like yeah fuck the guards, you know it's cool. That but at it. the same yeah. time, you can understand how embarrassing it is for like the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So if they got their hands on Rackstraw and everything lined up, but they just couldn't, they couldn't find one banknote, they couldn't find one piece of DNA mm. evidence, like nothing matched. They're like fuck it, let them go, go on. Yeah. But they had enough to pull him out of Iran. They had enough to yeah. arrest him. They had enough to have the investigation. But so when you say he faked his own death, he tried to fake his own death. He faked his what own death. Yeah. He was he was flying a rented plane, yeah, and he called yeah. into the thing. He's like, oh, "I'm ditching, I'm ditching," and he just disappeared again. And did they find the plane? At seventy four years of age, did he find it? Did they find I, the plane? I, 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 or I don't they? know. I'll have to look it up. Right, right, right. But okay. I'm, I'm presuming he was successful because they haven't arrested so, him or got him. Like, so is he actively on the run now? If he's not. I, I don't think they could they didn't have enough to convict him so right, he's right. not charged with anything so but why was he trying to fake his own death again then just to make sure he got away that okay, they weren't right, right, they right. couldn't find some evidence okay, to finally right. pin it on him you know? mm, Richard Axtra is someone to look into if I anyone else so. has any extra information like I, that was as much as I could find online um, I'm, I'm guessing like I didn't go reading a lot of books or anything for this one but I'm sure that there is mm. a book on Rackstraw. he's only been found like in the last month or so yeah yeah so that's what's right. It's so quite new. It's pretty it. fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either that now or my theory of the airline staff doing the whole job. I think that's hilarious and <laughs> quite possible. Yeah, yeah. Like look at look at Blow. Did you ever watch the movie Blow? Yes. Like yeah. them cons were fucking making 
uh, making weed runs yeah. on commercial planes mm. using the luggage of air stewardesses. Yeah. And then it turned into doing it with cocaine. I mean, like, it's not, like... It's not unheard of. They said they heard the... And if planes were getting hijacked and everything, and they were like, we heard the bump. I mean, it would be pretty... I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing... I, I was probably a ridiculous notion. Obviously, the FBI probably checked everything on the plane when they landed, you know. Mm. But you just never know. You never know. You do never know. And that's it for this time on Those Conspiracy Guys. If you if you want to tell us your uh, thoughts about D.B. Cooper, you can get us on all the social medias, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, Reddit. We'll probably have a conversation on Reddit. Uh, and then you can email us, info at thoseconspiracyguys.com. If you want to watch this show or uh, any other future shows live uh, in the future, uh, patreon.com <laughs> slash thoseconspiracyguys. You can watch them all live or you can get exclusive access uh, to these video archives. If you're listening to this in audio, uh, you're going to be uh, listening to it on all the podcast apps, including Spotify. We're on Spotify right now too. So if you're on iTunes, we I would love it if you could go in and give us a wee rating. It's just a tip. Just tip the stars and it gives us the star rating. Or uh, write a small review if you're feeling saucy. Uh, apparently the iTunes charts only works on reviews and ratings it's not on downloads or I'd be top of the paps but unfortunately it's only on uh, ratings or reviews so if you could do that and drive us up the charts I'd be, I'd be super appreciative uh, you can also get in touch on Discord which is a, a kind of a, a chat server app that you can get for iOS Android and uh, in your browser or an app for your computer and you can come into the Those Conspiracy Guys server where I have all of the episodes laid out in channels and uh, we can have little conversations, including about D.B. Cooper, over the coming days to try and figure out uh, if Chris is right and it was actually an inside job. <laughs> I think that's the best uh, made-up uh, theory of all of them. Um, and again, I would implore you to uh, help me out with the TCG TV project, uh, sending us to America to make 12 docs. It's not like you're giving me money for, for nothing. You're going to get something out of it. This is going to be 12 feature-length documentaries. And uh, I really would appreciate you helping out. Me and the show and... Uh, and uh, the f- like the future. This is the future, man. Independently created uh, media. Uh, no filters. No bullshit. Uh, just good crack and conspiracy theories. So that's it for this time on Those Conspiracy Guys. I'd like to thank Chris Kent for joining me. Thank you, thank Chris. Thank you for having me, Gordo. It's, uh, it's been a long time and uh, yeah. I, I'm really glad you came over. Again, Chris, you'll be in Edinburgh for the whole month of August yes. at the Assembly Room Studio 4 at 6.50pm for the whole month. That's it. Yeah, That's yeah, a hard on. month, man. If you want to know more about Chris, you can follow him on social media, Chris Kent Comic uh, on Twitter and Facebook yeah. and his website, chriskentcomedy.com. Uh, that's it for this time on Those Conspiracy Great. Guys. I'm Gordo. I'm Chris Kent. And uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye.